we, I got bought this for the podcast, and I think I'm just going to use it for recording everything, man. Because like I've got the um, the studio in there and that, but there's almost too many buttons and too many choices. <laughs> and this it comes with a really nice um, compressor. The reverb's nice. You don't need to. You don't need to worry about it. There Not we go. Selling road stuff. If they want to send any shit. Yeah, they're Australian too. They are, man. Just like the cameras, mm-hmm. the fucking musician, <laughs> the, the musician's guitar. Yeah, the, the, the idea that you can't manufacture stuff is, is absolute bollocks, man. Yeah. It was a lie we were sold. Yeah. Yeah. I went I went to Rode the other day um, with a K2, which is a, a bigger diaphragm mic that they sell. Yeah. Um, I bought a second-hand one, and um, I plugged it in. It was a bit of a buzz. Yeah, So yeah. I was like, I'm just going to take it in. And so I did. Took it to the factory, walked in. Said, hey, I bought this second hand. <clears throat> yeah. What can we do? Oh, no worries. You know, they took it in. They put the whole new guts in it. Shit. Gave it back to me. New lead. Yeah. Into the power thing. Not a cent. That, Not that a is cent. fantastic. Incredible. Shout company. out to Rose. Yeah, good on them. And not only that, I got to talk with the, with the actual guy who was doing the fixing, like the technician dude. And I love that. Yeah. I love talking to the guy who knows the microphone. Yeah. Because you can get to have a conversation about the way that the microphone's been used. Yeah. And the, you know, where you might find weaknesses in it and yeah. stuff like that. It's, it's great. I You're kind of learning something as well. Like, you always learn. It's always good something. to yeah. learn. Yeah. Yep. No. And I think also maybe that, sh- well, it definitely shows that they're into microphones. Yeah. They yeah. love microphones. And I think what happens with a lot of companies is, the CEO, you know, gets a yacht in the Bahamas or some shit, and and, and then the shareholders don't give a shit about it as long as they're making money. And so the actual thing they were good at becomes a sideline to making money. Yeah, you know, and you got to make money. It's a capitalist system, but you know, the products, the thing you want people, you know, making guitars that love bloody guitars. Yeah, yeah didn't think that was it. Road becomes product. That's yeah, correct. It's a profit yeah, based. Yeah. I think it was Road. I might be. I might be wrong. But didn't they buy a guitar? Like they I, did. Was it Jimi Hendrix? No, nah, it wasn't even. Wasn't even Jimi. <laughs> Who's was it? It was bloody Kirk. Oh, was the, that was my next guitar. guess. <laughs> the dearest guitar ever was like six million. Like Fuck. he's making some money, old Rhodes boys. Yeah, he's got to. Yeah, he's got to put it somewhere. Good on him. But yeah, of all the guitars, like should have been Jimmy's guitar. Or yeah, if you're gonna pay six million, not for Kurtz. <laughs> he wasn't like if he was, I don't mind him. He's a great songwriter, but he's not really a guitarist. Was mm. it? Was it for a charity? I think it was his oh, charity. Yeah. I, I, no, I think it was. I don't know if he gave it away, but I think it was to promote something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Road <laughs> and put a sticker on it. <laughs> Sign it. Yeah. Well, it's at least it's not putting a Tesla into orbit. No. Mm. Yeah. That, or drilling a hole in the ground. Evidently, no with the Tesla, uh, it's audacious. But they had to take something up anyway. Like they needed some ballast. I know, right? And um, that's what he said. But the photos of that Tesla in space, they just look so fake. You know, and it's funny what Muskie said. <laughs> well, he they said, got, they, what they do? Launch. It's not just in space, it's on the way to Mars. It's yeah, like, I did with the dude that in it. Rogan. Oh, it's, someone got trying yeah, to Yeah, he Mars. slept with Muskie's wife. That's the story. See, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>, dude. <laughs> Starman. Yeah, and it's playing um, Space Oddity on repeat, even though there's no sound waves in space, but evidently it's solar powered. And it's going to end up morbid, right? Morbid. Morbid. That's what morbid. Morbid. Yeah. <laughs> morbid. It's going to be morbid. It's like urban. Morbidly obese. Yeah. Um, yeah, how do we get on there from, from guitars then? I'm not sure. Companies. Well, I, I, oh, I yeah. put it in there. I threw the spanner. So. Yeah, no. Well, it's, um. Spending a lot of money, I think. 
Yeah, well, we should. Boat. I think we have we started? Start the show, yeah, yeah, we should start the show. Well, <laughs> yeah. We're here already. Are we going to do the intro? No, well, I'll nah. just cut it in. Click a finger. Yeah. There we go. Oh, like that. Genie. Can I get a beer then? Yeah, right. Hey, we're back on the beers. Well, three of us are. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mark. Oh, no. If you don't recognise this fellow over here, <laughs> this baby face young assassin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's our Marky Mark dwindling Thank away. He's dwindling. Got away. rid of the funky bunch. It's happening in the yeah, final phase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows any of Marky Mark's songs, but they know the band. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard one of his songs. No. I, only, I only know him for abs, really. Well, it was like Peter Andre. Peter yeah. Andre had the abs, and then he thought, "Oh, I better get some of those." And, uh, <laughs> I was watching this great thing of tonight's going to be. Um, uh, we've got a musical guest and all that. We're definitely going to introduce Anthony soon. But just before I forget, my brother sent me this through with Joni Mitchell, um, one of the greatest musicians ever. You know, great songwriter from the sixties, but she, her career went right through until recently. And um, and she was doing a world tour, just promoting her album. And, and uh, the guy in New Zealand where this interview was said, oh, what do you think about this current state of music? And this was in the mid-'80s. And she goes, oh, we're in sort of all good looks, no talent phase again. Uh, and she goes, I've been, I've been through a few of these. You know, and the, like when she said when rock first came out in the 50s, it was all talent, rock and roll, and it was all sex-driven, man. And then the money got involved, and it became pretty faces and doo-bop and... And all that nastiness got taken out of it. And, the, and then the Beatles happened. That rolled on. There was some good songwriting. And then the 70s kind of got all cock-rocky and all that. And and I think we've been in the all-good-looks, no-talent phase for a while. Mm. Oh, for sure. Especially yeah. on the radio, man. Yeah. The accountants have really taken over. Yeah. So, um, well, for that. Economics. Uh, yeah, for the economics of that. I suppose, you know, I was listening to a guy from the KLF, I don't know if you know, they're an old band from the 90s, and he was talking about all music from, let's say, the turn of the century, 1900s, can be classed as one music, and that music is recorded music. Before the 1900s, there was no recorded music. Yeah. A musician had yeah. to go tour or, you know, compose and sell mm. these compositions because everyone had a piano. And um, But after the 1900s, with the advent of this, you know, bit of plastic, basically, that you can sell for a lot of money the content on it, that's when uh, all music tried to fit itself into this into box, this box yeah. of being recorded, you know. Yeah. And so he, his personal journey is to try and do choirs, impromptu choirs around the world. And he'll, he'll go to like, he went to Beijing and a market and he got like a thousand people together beforehand. And he, um, he did this impromptu choir, but it was a core choir right around Beijing where one, just on, say it might be 50 metres you can sing and you can just hear them. And this call went up right the way around Beijing of these thousand people doing this choir. Wow. You know, yeah. and never to be recorded. And so he goes around doing these random um, choir events with non-singers non and stuff. It's just yeah. a, a, you're trying to take back music from the recorded and yeah. it's yeah. into something else. I can't even imagine what logistics would be involved oh, in getting yeah. a thousand people <laughs> in yeah. a foreign yeah. country yeah. to stand that far apart and sing the same thing. It's, it's fucking incredible. I hope they didn't it? pick La. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Beijing. <laughs> yeah. Where's the button? Oh, we got things wow, for wow. it now. Might have missed it. Oh, yeah. there you go. We got him. And oh, um, just on the tone of recorded music, is this, yeah. this should be our intro to... Intro to Mr. Anthony Snake. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for yes, coming along to the show. We need a couple more songs out of here, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Maybe a little concert once we have a few more beers in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, well, I don't have we'll to go work. for one for one, right? 
Well, yeah. well, most of us are musicians here, right? Um, you can do some shadow boxing. Someone needs a G chord. In all fairness, Mark can play G and A minor. Yeah, That's all you need. More. You can write a song for that. Yeah. Sweet. In fact, most songs aren't far off that. <laughs> That's, think about that it. is true. One my, more chord and One more chord and you're away. In fact, ACDC, I only really need two. That's all yeah. Willie kept telling me, but I don't, yeah. I I don't, don't think. Well, it. you know, power chords. So he's, oh, he, you, can, he can sorted. play every song. Yeah. All right. It's half of the, the chord. Sign me up now. Done. Put me up. Done. Cool. Record deal. You're on Smack Panda Records, baby. Yeah. Um. Anthony, so I, let's uh, introduce you. Where I first heard of, of you was on ABC Radio. Um, right. uh, it was a really interesting story. got me really intrigued. And then I didn't hear of you for a while until I saw a recent uh, Facebook feed of yours. Uh, you were being interviewed by Nick Reinberg, and he told me you, just, uh, you spoke about just coming back from Nashville. Hmm. And that got my ears picked up because I'm like, right. why would a musician come back from – not that Wollongong isn't the centre of all things cultural on the planet, but it's, you know, Nashville's a close second. Hmm. So, um, <laughs> Oh, it's cultural. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting story. We need to get to how you got to Nashville and everything. But So you heard the interview I did when I first got back. I think when you first got back. Pre-COVID. Oh, wow. Was that long ago, was it? Yeah, because oh. I, did, I did the last interview and live performance in that studio before they shut it down. Wow. Yeah. And we so had no idea, I did we? It was something in China, and it was like, oh, it's over there. We won't have to worry about it. Mm. Yeah, it was going to be the bird flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Mm. Well, we'd, yeah. How long have exactly we been what now? what it was going to be, mm. wasn't it? Well, it would be a year since year and we a half, locked down in March. My ongoing yeah. streaming show shut down when all the gigs stopped. Oh, my, sorry, my streaming show started when the gigs stopped, and we're on um, show number 51 this week. So oh, 51 done. weeks. You've been going 51 weeks? Yep. Jesus, mm. so it's almost perfect, man. A perfect year. Mm-hmm. A perfect storm for a musician, really, coming back from Nashville. Because mm. yeah. although there is, there is a music scene happening in Australia, um, and Wollongong, I think there is, if, I don't, I think if I was young, if I was 20 years younger and I didn't have kids, I'm pretty, and there was no COVID, you can make a go of it here. You know, there are right. gigs out there. And, um, and you're not going to be, you know, Michael Jackson or anything like that, but you can make a living from it. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, coming back from Nashville, where I dare say there's a lot more gigs landing here. Well, Nashville's yeah. a funny place because it's, it's really a business town. When, it, when you oh, talk about yeah. music, because there's, there's a, everyone's a songwriter. Because <clears throat> everyone you meet, the person you get in the taxi with, or, you know, Uber, they're, they're all songwriters. <clears throat> and everyone that you meet between there and the, you know, and the gig you're going to, or, Wherever you're going, you're meeting songwriters all the time. If you just ask a couple of questions, they'll play you, play your song. <laughs> yeah. they, they will. Yeah. Um, and so the town was built around mostly publishing because oh, all the right, companies yeah. are super closely um, orientated. So you can go and have, you know, five, you know, full-on publishing meetings in a, in a day quite easily. And you can't do stuff like that. <clears throat> you can meet with labels and whatnot in Nashville Get it all done real quick, yeah. And then go and play your showcase that that night, you know, at a venue in the, on the same block. Far you out. can't do yeah. that in LA, and so in LA you'll get a couple of meetings in because everyone's so spread out. And then yeah. to get everyone to a gig in LA is just super hard because parking and traffic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Nashville was the place that you that musicians go to get records recorded because all the session players are there, yeah. and to get business done. And um, so that's mainly 
the side of it that I got to see. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily, it's not like New Orleans or something where there's live music happening all the so time. So there's live music everywhere. Yeah. And if you go into the, you know, the downtown section, which is all the touristy stuff, you'll get every covers band under the sun playing all the covers that you'd expect to hear in Nashville. Yeah. In every venue, you know, basically one playing out the windows, you know, <laughs> as you move on to the next one. It's, it's a really great feel. It sounds it's like a great scene. Yeah. yeah it's, it's got a, yeah, well, it's, I mean, those musicians in Thailand oh, are pretty amazing. Eh? I've, I haven't been there, but I've heard some yeah, of them. the covers. Insane. Like, except for the, the singing, obviously, because of that. <laughs> but some of the singers, joke, some of the singers over there are amazing. Anyway, um, yeah. so there's music everywhere downtown, the commercial side of things, a lot of cover stuff, but you move, you know, a couple of blocks away from there, and it's what you see and what you experience is the songwriting world where you have. All of the songwriters that the published songwriters and then the the ones that are writing with all the published writers, yeah, they get up and play the songwriter nights. And um, the traditional songwriter night is where you get like three or four people um, on the stage and they all play a song each and they oh, go around yeah, maybe yeah. three or four times and they talk about the song and they talk about who cut it or who they want to cut it. Yeah, and in the audience are the publishers Shit, and the other, the other co-writers and yeah. and so you're playing for an audience of songwriters and so. To perform a song in that environment, you're going to have a great song. Yeah. To get the, you know, at the end of that song, you want people to be going, oh, man, I wish I wrote that song. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah know? That is great. But it's it? a yeah. different audience. Yeah. Oh, that's so a lot a of pressure by the sound of it. Like. Oh, there's pressure. But there's also, um, it's not like Australia where there's a lot of in, I mean, there's competition, but that um, everyone helps each other out over there. Yeah, like, it's right. insane. Everyone's success is your yeah. your group's success. And Absolutely, so everyone lifts each other up. It's it's such an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, get greater appreciation for it amongst that top of yeah. audience. Yeah, well, all understand. And it. also, there's an opportunity there if you've got a smoking song. There might there's a good chance there's going to be someone in that crowd that might yeah. be able to help you out a lot. Yeah. That's right. You know? And if your mate gets a cracker of a song on someone's record and then all of a sudden has a number one, Yeah. then guess what circle you're going to be going to parties in. That's right. That's it. Entourage. You're in, the, you're in the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. And, and that happens constantly there. There are number yeah. one parties all the time because every week there's a new number one, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's socialising and music and songwriting. I mean, you know, there's um, a particular Nashville kind of you know, writing way and types of songs that are released on the radio and all that kind of stuff. And you can either love it or hate it or both or write it and still hate it. Or, you know, there's all, all of that going on. Um, but in Nashville as well, there's a whole other side of music, which is just all this creative stuff that yeah. is all genres and, um, you know, that can't really be nutted out under a country brand. Yeah. Um, it's really a music town and, I miss it. I miss it almost every day. I miss it every day because what brought me back here, which I think was your original question, was yeah. kids. And yeah. that's, that's kids why. do bring people back to Wollongong. That's what brought me back here. In fact, I, I wasn't even from here and I ended up back here because of well, kids. That's know? right. I was from Gunnedah, um, which oh, is yeah. northwest New South Wales, sort of out in the country. And um, I'd lived in Sydney for a while when I released my first record in Australia and then um, got the opportunity to tour with Tommy Emmanuel overseas. Yeah. And... Um, when that came through, um, my wife, uh, we were married, we were living in Sydney, and uh, she was working, she had a great job in banking, and, yeah. um, you know, we're on a good track, and, and she's like, 
I was like, what are we going to do? And she goes, well, this is not going to happen every, yeah, that's right. <laughs> every, every day. Yeah. So why don't we just go to America for a bit and see how that goes? And so our plan was we had, um, we had three years on a working visa first. We had one year's worth of work on the road with Tommy yeah. and then um, to see what happened. And then every year after that, it was like, well, as long as we've got 12 months worth of work, we can see, we'll just hang around. Yeah. And it never ran out. Like 12 months, 12 months. That's great. Right? And yeah. then I was doing yeah. my own tours. Then I was doing, you know, college tours and different stuff, all original music. <laughs> that is great. Living 100% from my original music. Yeah. And I was never able to do that in Australia. No way. Yeah. And so it wasn't until we had um, uh, my daughter and we were on tour with her. And, and that worked out. It was harder, but um, we could still work it. We did a number of tours with with Liliana and it was it was fun in its fun places and it was hell in many, yeah. <laughs> in yeah, yeah. many other places but then when my son came along we had a newborn in a two and a half year old oh, yeah, that's hard that kind of pulled us up um, in the way that then my wife had to stay in Nashville on her own with two kids yeah and you can you imagine how you're on the road, road. yeah and yeah. yeah. I went on the road all right honey I've got to you know I've got to go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woo. Um, it didn't work out so um yeah. you know we had to make the the really hard decision um because Which it probably turned out to be fortuitous. Right. You know, right. in the long term. We ducked in here just before COVID. Jesus Christ. You know, got set like up yeah. and we're like, oh, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I feel like I've moved to a musical desert. Um, what do you mean feel like? <laughs> Sorry, not to knock your water But no, but I, I really yeah. felt that because, I mean, no, nothing, nothing's like Nashville. It's like yeah. the place pumps with music all the time. Every single day you hear something and you're inspired by a musician yeah. or a player or someone that is right there and you're like, holy crap. Yeah. And that inspiration takes all the work out of practicing and getting mm. better. Yeah. Right? If you've got inspiration right next to you all the time. Um, so I miss that. Yeah, for I sure. I miss being inspired by the musicians that I hear. Mm. Well, I was inspired tonight, actually. But <clears throat> oh, nice. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> I feel like I haven't played in fucking 10 years when I picked that. Guitar up then. Well, it's a different guitar. It is. You know, it's like, you know, I don't I'm know. I'm going to bring out all these excuses with my finger. <laughs> I wasn't warmed up. It's kind of cold in yeah. here. My <laughs> mum was sick. <laughs> Car broke down on the way here. So I like, yeah. you know, um, I've often thought that, and, and the second time I've heard of you when you're, d- is, uh, you've got this, uh, Illawarra, f- um, f- it's on Facebook. It's a songwriters kind of group where you're getting people to yeah. um, stream their songs on Facebook. And I love that because I've had this idea for a while and I thought it was mine. And then turns out Brian Bloody Eno came up with it. But it's the, <laughs> it's the idea that every plant needs good soil. You know, like we get the Beatles. If we stick them in Port Kembla Steelworks and there's no gigs for them, they're fucking world's greatest songwriters, but there's nowhere to play. Yeah. There's right. no one gives a shit. They yeah, will just be four matter. fucking steelworkers yeah. yeah. that a wife kick out into the garage, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything depends. You can't have a scene. Like Seattle was a scene. There were, you know, even if you don't play music, you can start a club and have bands play. Like the whole, mm-hmm. there's a band, Caius, like Desert Rock and all that. And that whole desert grunge, what was it? It was not Doom Rock. You know, Caius was yeah. like... That desert rock stuff all started because there's one 40 year old guy who had a generator and would give it to the kids and drive out to the desert and let them plug their guitars into this thing. And this whole genre, the Queens of the Stone Age, that's where they started. Was no this way. one guy who decided to give a shit about sure. these kids in the desert, <laughs> you know? And so it's that's why I started Smack Panda Records originally was because I just wanted to give. Yeah, you know, I'm not the greatest producer, but I just wanted to find buskers or anyone I liked in the area and just record them, mm. yeah. you know, and say and just 
get a scene happening where we all can help each other out and then, you know, if we need yeah. a drummer, some, and that's what I think you're trying to do, you know, so you've landed. Yeah. I think daffodils do that when they, not that you're a daffodil, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet, man. No one's ever called me I think it's well, that. It. But they, they land on a volcano somewhere and then they drop their own leaves and use that as soil. Yeah. So they, they create the scenery that you get in Hawaii and all that yeah. is all from these There's flowers. There's like a whole sort of sacrificial thing going on there. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Fan of the flame. Fan of <laughs> the flame. Yeah. You've got to start somewhere and yeah. from big things, little thing grows. <laughs> well, the whole, the whole um, Illawarra songwriter um, page I've been thinking about that ever since I got back because I, I know that there are great songwriters here. I know there's some amazing, talented people here because yeah. no matter where you go, there are those people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you've just got to have somewhere for them to be. Yeah. Um, and I looked. I would actually, when I first got here, uh, on on random nights, I would go driving, yeah. listening for music. Just... <laughs> Just it was the weirdest yeah. thing actually when I think about it now. But I would just drive because I didn't know <laughs> yeah, anywhere, yeah. and I would just drive around like the Wollongong streets, just trying to hear if there was anything going on yeah. anywhere. And there was I couldn't find Crickets. anything, yeah. and I just would return <laughs> home going hell's oh, because I, I was just searching for something. Yeah. And, and it was back then when I was like, probably when you heard that first interview, when I was really thinking about how am I going to bring people together, and originally it was around a venue. I was like, I've got to find a venue. And I've been working with um, some guys at a place called The Vault in Port Campbell. Oh, mm. yeah, I know The Vault. Yeah. yeah. And um, I thought, you know, that might be a, a good spot. But then after doing this, um, my streaming show, you know, every week for the last almost year, um, now I'm like, well, streaming is a great thing because yeah. it doesn't matter. Where, and these this also um, opens up all the ages as well. So you get to have, you know, kids that have just started writing songs to come on and play something. And yep. be a part of something and get to know other people in the, in the industry that are, mm. that are local. Um, the whole idea behind Illawarra Songwriter is to allow other songwriters in the area to know, know of and meet each other, yep. um, in some way, shape or form. And I had it planned for, you know, for a year, but then didn't kick it off until, Kane Denley, you know Kane. I know Kane. He's supposed to be coming on here. Actually, we had right. We had Sid on um, 1920s drummer. So right. Yeah. So I was playing a gig down the coast, and and Kane rocked up, and he's like, "Man, I thought this was my gig today." And we, we kind of was <laughs> like, "Oh yeah." And that was the first time I met him. And I was like, "Dude, why don't you just jump up and we'll just you know play a set?" Yeah. <laughs> and, oh no. And, and so he's like, "Yeah, cool." And so we played, and um, he's a great guitar player, and and um, it was really cool. We had a bit of a hang, and and then he's like, "Oh, did I do this some?" Um, Open mic night up in uh, Thoreau. Yeah, um, you should just come and check it out. You know, because he, you know, we had a chat and he knew what I was in, into. And then, so I went to that, and then I didn't want to play. I was like, no, no, I'm not going to play, man. I'm here to listen and just to be involved. And he's like, he got me up at the end to do a couple of songs. And so I thought, well, shit, here I am. This is the first time I've been in a room where I know that there are songwriters. Yeah, yeah. In the Illawarra, so I'm going to launch the freaking thing tonight. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. That night I kicked off Illawarra Songwriters and told everyone about it and told them to like the page. And then from that moment, we've been doing every Sunday um, since then. We're only three weeks in. Yeah, and yeah. And so, already yeah. the second week we had a guy called Hayden Phyllis, which is a 14-year-old songwriter that came on and he has never – this is his first song that he's ever written, right? He came on. He, he saw the thing on Facebook on Wollongong. I posted on Wollongong Musicians page because yeah. that's pretty lively, that, that one. And um, he came on, played his song. 
and it was awesome. He did yeah. an incredible job for a first timer, especially. Like, there's no way my first song was that good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then that next week, I got a call from a label um, that would had seen the seen the show because really? he was the first one on. Yeah. He's like, "Dude, can you give me the um, number of?" You know the people that are looking after Hayden because we're starting a new label and we're affiliated with Sony and we want to kick off with some you know young blood. Wow! And I'm like, wow! That yeah. happened. Just just think about the kick on things that could happen yeah. from yep. just bringing people together Absolutely. and bringing things to light. You know, um, yep. I think it's an important thing to have out there. For sure, happening. That's yeah, that's right. How do you go with the internet connections with the with the show? I've I've only watched the one one of them, the most recent one, because um, that's we were going to get involved in it, but the internet here sucks, you know. So yeah. it's uh, I suppose there's always that issue. Mm. Uh, um, I've got a good internet connection at my house, but um, because we're streaming everyone in, it all depends on their own connection. Yeah, their own thing. I think when I don't know how long, oh, how far away five G is here for for here, but. Um, I think they're burning them all down around here. Shout out to Aggie. <laughs> we love you, Aggie. Um, really, is there a thing? I don't know. No, nah, I think it, I think yeah. it was. Did anyone realise that sunlight's about ten thousand times stronger than? Yeah. Right. Years, so <laughs> it's like it's like hearing about the um, uh, the spill of um, uh, radioactive stuff that some of those submarines give off. Yep. Did you hear about that? No. I've got a friend no. who works in. Um, he builds the ships in, in the States. <clears throat> and he yeah. works in, in the whole thing and he's one of the engineers. And he's going, um, there was a spill off the coast of Japan off one of the American ships. Yeah. And like it was a huge political thing, right? They detected this amount of spill. It was all this big thing. And then when, when he put it into perspective, he said, the amount of um, spill that there was was less than you get in when you eat a banana. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> yeah. No way. So the yeah. instruments they have to detect that- the spill... Are that fine? Yeah. Like, literally, there was no problem whatsoever yeah. at all. It was just a big political thing. Especially like. Japan. Look what they're doing with Fukushima and all that. There's, mm. They got their own problems over there. Yeah. You think they'd give it away? The old nukes. They've had a few problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was just bad management. I think a mixture of um, power production, nuclear, is an, an important part yeah. of that. Thing if we want, I, yeah. If we want I think the, the that like I think the technology for nuclear is getting better, but with any, it, it is an incredibly uh, vivacious technology. You know, you've got to control it. Now, mm-hmm. the issue with like what happened with Fukushima, they were told ten years beforehand to build a bigger wall, but it was cheaper not to do it, and the governments didn't do it, and they well, gave that's the problems. Re- regulation, though, and isn't do it? we mm-hmm. trust our regulators? Well, we should, but we can't. No, They've been bought no. everywhere. Pay, pay so yeah. I think you got the theory that nuclear energy should be all right, but it needs to be regulated. Yeah. And we're just not very good at regulating things. Mm. You know, Lo- lobbyists are the problem. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, especially that's, in the states, that's a huge. That's issue. the yeah. issue, really, and and also and, in this and, country. And, uh, yeah, mm. absolutely. See, um, who was that really horrible weasel? Christopher Payne. <laughs> like horrible he, weasel. Oh, he was a weasel, <laughs> man, and still is. Like, here's our defence minister. Um, he's a, a liberal and he's just, you know, one of these attack dogs, just a nasty piece of work, man. And, um, defense minister, he quit the job, got his, um, 300 grand a year golden handshake from the government. And before his term was even up, he got a, signed a, a gig with Raytheon or something like that <sighs> for the people he was supposed to regulate, gave him a job. Yeah. And this shit happens everywhere. Yeah. That's, that stinks, doesn't it? Oh, it stinks. It's, it's corrupt. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's legalized corruption. They shouldn't be allowed to the do it. The problem is that every, there's always a human behind the the role yeah. and yeah. they all have their own individual 
story going on. Mm-hmm. So well, it's interesting though. Once you have X amount of dollars, I understand Muskie. He's got X amount of dollars, but at least he's doing something interesting. He could be doing something more interesting, like maybe helping out Africa or some shit. But um, mm. but you know, um, he's a minimalist. He's a multi-billion He goes, oh, I'm selling everything. I'm just going to be a minimalist. And the guy I was interviewing goes, yeah, but you got all the money in the world. Like, you're going to be the richest. <laughs> Nothing minimal about yeah, that, motherfucker. Like, that you, gotta, you have to give all your money away to become a minimalist. And he's just like, hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Look, have you guys covered the whole Mars thing here yet? Oh, we haven't yeah, in depth. No, no, really. Yeah. No, no. Because, I mean, really, like, what? for me, for me, it just, it's like, we've got this planet that has everything on it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Let's just sort That we that keep out. screwing up yeah. in lots of different ways. Yeah. And we want to spend money on going to Mars to, to yeah. what, find a way for us to live. Yeah. 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 It really doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. No. Like, the excitement of doing it, Yeah. For the science and for the for the hell of it and for the fun of it, yeah. shit, yeah, let's do that for fun. Like all of those um, robots have got on there, and the way that they get them there, holy mackerel! Yeah. How incredible mm-hmm. is that whole thing? Yeah. The engineering's fantastic. But as a yeah. legitimate place for humanity to kind of go to when we screw Earth like right into nothing, yeah. yeah. I know. Here's, insane, a, here's a quick mate. solution: just don't fuck the planet yeah. so quickly. <laughs> And then slowly over time, we can just yeah, yeah worry about that. It's not a place I want to go, dude. I don't. Well, yeah. I don't even like there's, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> countries I haven't or, seen. Or, yeah. <laughs> Why don't we just kind of just look after this place yeah. and then maybe plant some more trees and you know. Yeah. Well, and Mars is, we're not built for Mars. The soil's actually toxic to us. It's got this shit. If we go out there, even That's if it was nice and sunny, we'd be fucking dead in a couple of hours. Pretty man. good message. Uh, yeah, like, um, you'd be better off in Antarctica or in a mile underneath Antarctica. At least there's still oxygen and shit there. Like, right. it's not actually viable. And you're man, you know? still going to die in Antarctica. Yeah, you're still going <laughs> to die in Antarctica. <laughs> It's gonna be and the it. thing about billionaires like that, like I watched this guy and he went to Davos where all the the people that actually rule the world go and decide how they're going to give their billions away. Like Bill Gates, I'm going to give all my money away. You know, all the money he's given away has gone to companies that he fucking owns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and then back to him. And back to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that! That company just made a whole bunch more money for oh. me to give away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tax deductible, oh, fuck, of course. Man. And this one guy, this Sound reporter, wrong, went to Davos and he said, look, um, we're not, we're all talking about philanthropy and helping out. Uh, fair enough, but why don't we talk about the elephant in the room, about taxation? And he basically got fucking booed off the stage. They don't want to hear about taxation, which is where it, it has to be, you know? Like, mm. fucking, you only need X amount of food. I don't understand yeah. it, you know? It's... Like we got to, a, we're going okay now. My wife's got a great job. We've, you know, we've got a mortgage and stuff. But we're going so much better than we used to. We used to be fucking tight ass, yeah. and um, and I'm okay. I actually don't need any more shit apart from that thing you're mm. going to show on your guitar <laughs> later. But um, <laughs> apart from you know, like I think yeah. I was talking to uh, Dave, Dave the Irishman, um, and he was, he was talking about you know ways we can regulate money and maybe go back to a gold standard. But I think maybe this consumerism, it doesn't make people happy. No. You know, having a roof over your head and having food and education for your kids, that you need those to be happy, understandable. Any more shit just doesn't make you happy. Minimalism kind of, yeah. it makes sense, but you've got to be minimalist with a, with what you're trying to do is create a society. Uh, you know, like, I don't necessarily, I'm not, uh, what's that word? Uh, 
when you love your country and all that. I, patriotic. I'm a, patriotic. I'm more patriotic for guitarists. I'd yeah. like to be in the guitarist country or the yeah. musician's country, you know, and <laughs> we can be anywhere in the world, Africa, fucking China, but we're, like, you're in a boxing community. Yeah? Oh, you no, know? I don't want to be in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm coming with you fun. guys. <laughs> well, it's interesting because... He's got all the weed and shit. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> coming. <laughs> After living overseas, did you guys any lived overseas? Yeah, I lived in London for a few years. Right. So after living out of the country for a bit, you, I think you start to really understand what you love about Australia. Yeah. Mm. What you miss, mm. what you, you know, don't. all the bits, what you don't miss, and yeah. then the things that you love about the other country that you're in at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but I started going, man, if I could just get an island and get all the people that I really like yeah, and yeah. put them on there and then just bring all the bits that I like. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Then, then we could just have this other place. <clears throat> Well, I think I was, I don't know if we were talking about last week, but I was thinking that, but the state seems to be in a, uh, unique situation where it's got 50 places to choose. And like, you can see, where's it up, is it Seattle around there where they've basically decriminalized all drugs. Mm. And so if you want to do drugs. What, even the heavy ones? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. it's all de- decriminalized. Well, yeah. it worked in Portugal, man. You know, so it's, it seems to be the only sensible thing to do, I think. Yeah. Um, regardless yeah. of, you know, it's a health issue. Uh, is I that think. just like, um, What's the deal with like supply and stuff? Though I, it's a bit I of think a gray that, yeah, area. Yeah, I think hey. it's gray. I think it's for if so you're that, using and stuff like that. That still makes it a little complicated because it yeah. there's still that crime element to it. Yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. In the getting it, yeah, um, like the dealing part of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, so there it's is. Still but not legal to manufacture. No, no so it's, it's tolerated to use. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine a cocaine factory. You'd think that they'd be they'd have to. If they're going to legalize it, they have to allow for and and somehow guide the making of it and make sure that it's right. Which is the perfect. What that's what they're doing with the marijuana laws over there as well. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but I think with the states, because uh, you basically got fifty individual countries under a federation, Mm. and then if you want to have guns and that, go down to Texas. Like you could actually, there could be a way of doing that. Alabama. Yeah, or Alabama or something like that. Yeah, that's the thing though. But people don't want to. They don't want to move. They just want to. Make yeah, where true. they are, and should they have to move the if they got family and everything there as yeah, well? You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a. But in the long term, it, it could well be a thing, you know. And all the guitarists live, I don't know, in Nashville. Uh, speaking of guitarists <laughs> in Nashville, another thing I've got on my head. I'm just addicted to this uh, Nashville show. It's on. It's uh, do you know Tom Bukovac? Bukovac, he's a. I know the name. He's a session guitarist in yeah. Nashville, and um, he's, I don't know him. Okay, yeah, he's done this. Um, it's called the homeschooling, and he's just the most sensational guitarist. And sitting in a shitty garage with an iPhone, and that's awesome, and that's it. And man, he's got like fifty thousand followers now, and he drinks his beers and just plays. And he doesn't because guitarists, musicians in general, I think, get kind of caught up on stuff. Oh, what amp are you using, man? Oh, that guitar's great. No guitars sound fucking good unless you're playing them. You know, yeah. like a, a, the shittest guitar in the that, world, you know, if Tommy O'Mahon plays it, it's going to sound mm. fucking great. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, and so he doesn't need any of that shit. And it's all more about the music and, and showing you things on a guitar to do. And I've been playing the fucking thing for 30 years. It's awesome. And you know, I'm just getting so much out of it. It's great. Yeah. That's mm. another good thing for COVID, you know. If, totally, yeah. You know, all the all the road dogs are around, you know in their garages now, just playing <clears throat> playing yeah. wherever. But I mean, it, it didn't change life too much for the session players, other than they couldn't go into the studio. A lot of them had um, little rigs at home anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> by that point, and other like drummers and stuff that I know were actually in the process of doing that. You know, flying tracks because Nashville is known so much for tracking. <clears throat> yeah. It's easy to sell 
you know, tracking services outside of Nashville and fly them in, you know, for whatever tracks and whatever producers that you're working for. Yeah, that's right. We can do that from here, can't you? Mm -hmm. So if, you know, writing a song, you need a the world-class drummer and you're prepared to pay, they'll they'll put the track down for you, man. Sounds like forever. Not as expensive as you. This is good beer. Actually, hold that thought. I'm going to get early big head ones again. It's not as expensive as you, as you think yeah, to get yeah. great session players on your material. Yeah. So continued. if you've got someone in your band who, um, you know, is not great, yeah. you can just sort of, as, ha- as would happen on some of the big recordings, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you just, you bring a whole bunch of different players in and you, you know, get them all to play the same part and nobody really knows. They, they know. Yeah. Some yeah, of them yeah. know, but maybe they don't know. And they all they all yeah. they don't know who's they don't okay. who's on the record. Yeah, well, that was the Beach Boys. That was classic. Right. They didn't play any of that shit. I don't right. think. In fact, right. none of those sixties guys. I even heard a rumor that Ringo, that oh, who's the um, who's the guy that's got the Purdy Shuffle, um, Bernard Purdy, famous funk driver. Evidently, he might have been brought in on a couple of Beatles tracks. Yeah, I've heard rumors yeah. like that. Well, they. I think everyone just knocks Ringo, but yeah. Ringo wasn't that bad. I don't like. I actually like him. He's got a bit of a swing to him and stuff. Have you seen the the Ringo on the All Stars that he does? <clears throat> no, no, I haven't. I got to see that show in Nashville with Tommy actually, yeah. um, and and Rick Price. Remember Rick Price? I know the name. Um, yeah, nineties um, guy, incredible vocalist, and um, so Tommy got some tickets because he knew the guitar player who was from Earth, Wind, and Fire or something like that. Awesome. And so yeah. we went and see. Um, that show, and it was incredible. Big band, <laughs> yeah, big yeah. band. It was just such an amazing show, and you know all the hits that you recognise from lots of different bands and yeah. stuff. But the musicians are amazing. They were great, and, that- and Ringo was fantastic. They had two kits on stage, so they had you know the the session player and Ringo, and Ringo would get up whenever he, it was. Ringo was just sort of. Doing whatever he wanted. It was like compared to sang some stuff and then he played some stuff and it was just, it was, it was a fun. That show. sounds great. What a gig. Meeting people in the audience. How you going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is my band. <laughs> yeah. Got the cowbell. But basically what it was is that he's just, you know, Ringo's like Ringo. Yeah. So he's like, who fun. wants to get in a band with me? And he just picks the, you know, the great, yes. great players from these other bands that aren't touring right now. And uh, it's like, hey, do you want to come on the road? <laughs> come on the road? Oh, God. And they sound amazing. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So what got you into guitar? Like, how did you start that whole... Well, I'm a singer. I'm not a guitar player. I, yeah. I play guitar, so I write songs to it. Yeah. Um, but I've never been a guitar player where I've sat down to learn to play the guitar. It's just been something that I've had to do so I don't have to pay someone else to do it when I sing. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, you know, 100% a singer. I've always been a singer and... Oh, now we're in trouble. Um. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's begun. <laughs> yeah, and so until um, and so when I when I got the opportunity to, to open for Tommy Emmanuel, yeah. you know, the greatest acoustic guitar player in the world, he's not a human though. Well, yeah. this this is the thing. That was I one was, of my other questions. I was petrified at, at the beginning because you know I had released my first record and and you know sent it to lots of different people and it was um, his manager played it for him and this yep. is how it went down. Tommy heard it and was like, "This guy needs to be in America." That's great. Him Good on him. Yeah. And that nev- that doesn't happen. Tommy's the kind of guy who gives a, a, a leg up yeah. to people that aren't on labels that you know that don't have the networks and, and all that sort of stuff. He is constantly Shell. helping people. And what was that phone call like? Well, it was an email. It was an email, oh, and you thought it was bullshit. So it was some Nigerian asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like selling me an airport. That's right. But it was basically, you know, do you want to? We got your package. 
Tommy yeah. loves your stuff. Do you want to come and tour with Tommy Emmanuel in, in America next year for a whole Shit. year? And it's like, um, that is bloody incredible. Let me check my so, diary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as a solo artist, let me check you, my pants and then I'll check my diary. <laughs> <laughs> so you sent out, how many of these packages did you send out? I sent them all over the place. I don't know. It was really like a kind of just random that, shot in the dark. So this thing. was the mid noughties around there? So it was in, oh, now I'm going to get this wrong. So 2008 was when we landed in Nashville. So it was 2000, early 2007 yeah. when I sent all that out. And um, it was just that is basically put CDs in a, a bag and we bought all these um, sparkly bags. <laughs> you got to stand out, man. <laughs> right, because I figured, that, you know, this is the first record, not this one, but my first record was called Disappearing Day and it was released in Australia. I did two singles here. Yeah. And it was after the second single, um, that we went to the States. But, um, uh, sparkly bags sent it to, you know, film and TV people, you know, um, managers, whoever I could find that yeah. I had a connection to, which wasn't very many people. Excuse me. And, um, two of them hit, right? The one at Tommy's manager hit, yeah. and and they they came back, and I think maybe we sent out maybe sixty. You know, it yeah. wasn't a big wow. number, but it was it felt like a big number when you put yeah. them together. And then also the expenditure and buying all the stuff that you got to do, yeah, it, was yeah, like, yeah. it costs money. Um, and then uh, the other one that hit was um, with a film and TV guy in LA, and he heard he picked up the record, and he um, sent me an email as well, and he said, people don't usually send me. You know, full albums anymore. Yeah. He said, but I put yours in the car. And he Shit. said, because I put it in the car, he said, I heard the whole thing. He said, I love all of your stuff. He said, I'm yeah. going to use it on, I'm going to use some of your songs on some TV programs. Um, you know, Shit. I'll send you the details and stuff later on. And I was yeah. like, holy crap. Look, I'd wow. never, this is a, a kid grown up in Gunnedah, you know, yeah. moved to Sydney, done my first record, and then just, did a shotgun approach. That is so, so lucky because I've done yeah. heaps of those, man. Right. And, you know, to get any type of callback is fucking amazing. To get know? anything. Yeah. That's right. And so the ratio of that was pretty good. Yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, that's bloody good. Um, One in 30. Jesus Christ. And so he ended up putting me uh, on a TV show, which was my first film and TV, um, uh, Sync, in, in the first year that I was there. So it worked in really well with the tour. So I was able yeah. to tour and then do promotion based around the fact that I was actually also on a TV show, which the TV show... Yeah, I was going to say, which one is it? <laughs> it's like, Dawson's Creek? Or something? Oh, man, it was <laughs> terrible. But, um... <clears throat> so, so, um... You know, I was waiting. I was waiting on, you know, because I wanted to put it in the, the bio because to get the visa you need to get over there, you need to have all this stuff together. Yeah. Um, and you need to have all your ducks in a row and they want to know everything you've done since birth, really, so they can see that you've gotten somewhere. Um, and, um, oh, the year before I'd also won Music Oz, when Music Oz was a thing around here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we went into that. Yeah. Right. We entered that. Yeah. Came fifth. Great. Awesome. And it was an amazing, um, sort of organization and that kind of died because of, um, a whole lot. Do you know why that went down? Was that a government no. run thing, was it? N no, sort of. Um, they had some grants that, that kept them going, but it was a privately, um, held company. Okay. Um, and the, I know the guy who, um, I now know the guy who, uh, ran the whole thing. He's an incredible guy and he loves music and yeah. he loves musicians and his heart's in the right place. And he got in, you know, involved business wise with a guy who just ripped you know, ripped him up 
combined. Oh, no. And yeah. um, so that's why the whole thing tanked, <clears throat> absolutely tanked, which was such a such a loss okay. for yeah. the Australian industry because yeah, that was sure. the only place independence could actually go and get some, you know, some real kind of feedback, feedback yeah. and also... Yeah. You know, some legs up here, yeah, here and there. And it, it was got lifted up. Something for the musicians to do because there was nothing at the time that we did it. There was no gigging. It was all right. like DJs and you couldn't yeah. get a gig anywhere. So it was like going musicals and go see how you right. go. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and the labels were sort of on the fringes. So they weren't controlling it. And that yeah. was the, that was key. The fact that it wasn't label controlled meant yeah. that the gatekeepers were kept out of that yeah, circle. Absolutely. And so great music got lifted up. Somehow it snuck in there. Yeah. Which is really, I was watching an f- interview of uh, Frank Zappa and he was talking about, uh, it might have been in the 80s or something, and he, uh, Frank Zappa's famous musician, you know, musicians, musicians kind of guy. And he was talking about doing music in the 60s and all that and uh, how the music industry had changed. And he said in the 60s, you'd take this really avant-garde, he, he did some wild shit. Musically, you know, it's really hard to listen to a lot of time, but oh, it's impossible. Yeah, but how hard it, and, and to think about, but to, to yeah. think that that guy understood. Uh, and the band, like, and he worked with this dude who oh, got the post up in there, um, yeah. Captain Beefheart, and like his most famous album, it sounds like five children in a room, the smashing <laughs> shit. But but the thing is, they would do this shit three hours every night, perfectly the same. Yes. Like yeah, it, it's fucking insanely hard to do. Notated, yeah, not- all notated. <laughs> That's right. It's insane. And so he was talking about the industry, and he said, "Look, it was better early in the days because the people in charge of the um, of the companies were big, fat, cigar smoking white guys who had no idea about music and yeah. didn't give a fuck. And so they were they're not influencing. They were. You you'd, just, you'd yeah. dumped in this album. They don't. They're not into it anyway. They said, oh, will it sell? Well, maybe.' And he goes, "Okay, we'll stick it out then.' <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said problems came when all the people went to university and they were they were the cool kids." And they got to take over the yeah. record companies and they got, they decided what was cool or not. And you think about something as famous as, uh, Nevermind, probably the biggest album of the last, you know, 40 or 50 years. It was on, there's all these boardroom around there and they played the album. And they said it's shit. And they're going to throw it out. Nirvana's first album, one of the biggest albums of all time. And it was a secretary who happened to be there and said, if you throw that out, I'm going to quit. If it doesn't sell, you can fire me. She goes, it's fucking gold. And it took the secretary. To tell all these idiots they're getting paid Uber bucks. She must have had some big balls. Well, it's just a fucking that. great. Jeez. I remember first, it is a great album, but in, um, fuck, you can imagine like them guys. Spirit. Oh yeah, <laughs> women have balls. <laughs> but I, I'm like, I remember I was in the car. Mum was in the car. And it was all MC Hammer and shit, and it was you could not hear fucking a guitar for from Love or Money yeah. if it wasn't the Eagles or, or something like that. And then on this, and it was in New Zealand on this commercial station with adverts, a fucking rock song came on. And not just a rock song. <laughs> Teen Smells Smells like Teen Spirit, yeah. which was like a proper one where people were angry and shit. And it just fucking... We had stopped a car. I'm like, what the uh, fuck is this doing on? It was a really big moment, you know. Yeah, I'd, I remember that song coming out. Yeah, and it, and then the whole wave came after it. Yeah. And luckily Seattle had a scene there where all these kids were doing the shit anyway. They didn't yeah. really think they were going to get famous. Wearing cardigans. And, and they were ugly, kind of. You know, Kirk was kind of good looking, but it was okay, again... <laughs> To not be, you know, yeah, packed up and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. You know? And then we had Silverchair come out of it later on. Well, yeah, later on, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Frog Stomp. That wasn't <laughs> too bad an album for well, my year. Uh, uh, yes. Well, okay. Yeah, that, uh, yes. I thought it was alright. <laughs> I think for a bunch of fifteen-year-olds, it was not a bad yeah. Nirvana ripoff. You know. Well, we were only eleven or twelve. 
It was a well pla- it was a well placed, you know, thing, and they're Aussie, so mm. you know, good on them. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, and now I I just love anyone that's out there doing it. I don't really care if they if they're playing an instrument. And giving it a fucking go, I'm into it, man. You know, because it's such a hard thing to do. Yeah, and um, and more power to you. Yeah. Fucking a, man. Anyone chasing it? Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Like what you're doing with your boxing, man. You've got to uh, have a yeah, go. Let's, let's have a little yarn about that. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. how's the training go? It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Same old. It's so when's your fight? Man. Let's we'll get this six out. Weeks. Six, six weeks. Six weeks. What's the date? 23rd of April. For everyone out there. I keep saying 4th. In Canberra. 23rd in Canberra. Yep. Live on Fox Sports. Sweet. Live on Fox Sports. Yeah. We'll be there live anyway. Yeah, we will. The Panda Party will be there. We'll be there. We'll be putting some cayenne pepper on your gloves. Oh, yeah. Fucking <laughs> 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 <Cassipper. laughs> Chili sauce, folks. Wrapped with barbed wire and nails sticking out. Yeah. No, it's gone well. Weight's coming down. Getting fitter. Start sparring this week again. So it's good. Everything's good. I'm happy. You got a good sparring partner out there? I'm going to go up and do some rounds with one of my old amateur buddies, Cohen. He's got a big fight coming up on the 31st, so he should be pretty sharp. Yeah, we'll just roll on from there, man. I've got got a really silly question because I I don't know anything about boxing, but I'm really interested in in how you psych yourself up sort of mentally for a face-off like that. Do Mm. you have to hate the person you're about to fight no i think it, like just just generally like on a weigh-in or something yeah like you yeah i don't know you're just pretty pissed off at everyone because you're so fucking hungry <laughs> <laughs> that's nah, an angry that gets it through yeah, yeah i don't because the more, idea is to, to knock this person out ideally isn't it oh you know, that's the easiest way so, to get the job done isn't yeah. it that's that's the main goal but um it's more of just like a it's a focus thing. It'd be not much different from trying to do your job and get in and play a song properly, I guess. You're just trying to nail something. So the mindset starts really now. Mm. Like I know, I noticed it this time because I re- retired for a year. I worked a lot on myself getting away from this person that I have to become to, to fight. Mm. So coming back into it, I noticed today like consciously I was like, oh, there's a real shift in how I am at the minute. Mm-hmm. You feel more in yourself and like a little more like a little more ego consumed and having to f- focus in on you and what's going on with you and that's pretty much it mm. now, mm. Um, which is interesting to to watch within yourself. Yeah, right. Consciously now. Yeah. <laughs> it's good so you I can do that yeah, now that yeah. you're not actually in there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm noticing it noticing and it, I'm like, yeah. yeah, you need to do that, but you're aware of it, so... Mm. Yeah, it's it's not that hard, man. Like, because you're preparing, you have to train so hard for eight eight weeks or whatever to beat that person. So you find little, you do find little things about them that give you that bit of an edge. You usually mm. find something about them to dislike. You think you hate them for a second, but I mean, once you've gone through that kind of experience with someone, you generally there's no reason to hate them anymore. It's like, no, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, um, you're laying it all on the line with someone. You're chasing the same goal. It's just yeah, that you want yeah. the the best outcome for you and your team. So. I suppose in some ways anger might distract you, wouldn't it? You know, yeah. put you off a game a bit. Yeah, it mm. does. It's it's a nice little G up when you, you know, when you're weighing and you need to yeah. give yourself a little pump up. But like, I I don't think it's needed. Like. Calm. I wonder if calmness I'll, is mastery. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder if you if you knew for a fact that the other guy was a dick, 
whether it would be okay. Oh, if he great. like, if he just, <laughs> no, you know, if great, you know that yeah. he kind of parked in a, you know, a disabled park. Yeah. As he got there, you're yeah. like, oh, it helps. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's like it's more exciting. Like it's yeah. easier to get up for <laughs> yeah. you. Know? Yeah. Like, you know, someone's a dick. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you're gonna enjoy it more. Yeah. A few people have said that to me about this guy that I'm fighting. Like, oh, he's such a knob. I can't wait for you to smash. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, he could come across that way to some people, but to be honest. Um, and actually he did predict he's going to stop me in three rounds. So that got, did me, he really? that got me a little oh. bit. Uh, <laughs> Is this for 10? <laughs> 10 rounder? 10 rounder, yeah. yeah. So that made me think he's been very respectful up until he up said until that. Then, yeah. So, but that's cool. I'm just I'm a bit old and wise. You've been through nonsense. this. A lot. Like, I don't need to get yeah. that chewed up anymore yeah. until it's time to. Yeah. Just so on the mentality, like, what do you, what do you do before a gig? Is there anything that you do to get your mind right to perform? Well, for me, it's much better not to have to think about <clears throat> that moment. So yeah. if there's, if there's a lot of time in the green room before the show, that's when things get messed up. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I can come from whatever I was doing, whether it was studio or whatever, and then just walk straight into the gig, tune up, know that I'm good to go and step out onto the stage, then great. Yeah. If so I'm no real thinking about it, if just I've got to think about the things that might go wrong, yeah, oh, yeah. then things might go tricky wrong. little passage. Because oh, yeah. in yeah. fact, what you're doing is probably rehearsing the things that might go wrong. Yeah, yeah, going, yeah. Oh, that could go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that it went wrong. Surprise! Went wrong. <laughs> but if you haven't got to think about it, then you can just do it on a reactive thing. Yeah. So do you do vocal warm ups? Yeah, I do. I do that probably on the way to the gig yeah. in the car. And it's just basically stretching the muscles, yep. <clears throat> stretching the vocal cords, and um, making sure that the notes are all there. Um, but also sometimes if you're if you're coming off a, a lot of singing and um, the notes aren't there and you know they're not there, um, there there's a few exercises you can do to um, relax those vocal cords or at least understand what notes you have to play with. So then you can uh, you know change yeah. your show. You don't go for it. Yeah, you yeah. change yeah. your show to f- suit whatever D-tune. notes you have. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Auto so, yeah. <laughs> Press this button. <laughs> I remember Haley saying that she used to drink solo before a gig because it like kind of lubricated the throat a bit. It's all so, up here. Yeah, well, that's drink whatever you want. Yeah, what placebo. Because what you're saying before about being a singer who had to learn guitar, and on on the opposite, I'm a guitarist. I had to learn to sing. When we're recording our albums and all the record, I find singing really easy because I'm not a singer, so mm. I find there's no pressure on me at all. You know, I'm yeah. not. I don't expect myself. You don't to really the, care. Well, well, now I kind of do. Yeah. You know, I really like my voice, but um, I'm more nervous about my guitar playing because that's yeah, what I'm supposed voice. to be good at. Uh, you, know? you got a beautiful yeah. voice. It's like a daffodil. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, daffodils. Dandelion. I'm a dandy. Can <laughs> <laughs> you tell that? Yes. Um, yes. So I thought that was interesting because it's all absolutely in your head. This mm. pressure you feel mm. or, or don't feel. Now I find out with like Haley and I haven't done a gig. Oh, shit, it's almost a year now. Yeah. And um, I'm itching to do a fucking gig. Mm. You know, it's. Uh, Why don't you just awful. do one? Take your guitar over to a park somewhere and I don't know. A gig where people are there and they're drinking, uh, it, you know, like that. That's like Dave Chappelle. Important. Dave Chappelle apparently just yeah. would carry around a little microphone and go that's to Central Park cool. and yeah, just start yeah. doing a cool. doing a gig. Like people weren't even expecting this to happen, and all of a sudden here he is, just like 
But that's Dave doing Chappelle, a, didn't they? Doing a comedy that's show. Dave Chappelle over yeah. there. Yeah, He's got 10,000 people there. <laughs> they might go, that's fucking Matthew Sinclair. They'll say, oh, he wants Smack. some money. He's got his back of hand out. Yeah, look at this poor musician. Yeah. He's like, I knew that panda Don't podcast walk close to it. successful. Right. No, it's <laughs> like that, isn't it? you gotta, you got to keep grinding, though. That's the thing, I think. Have you done a bit of busking? I, I have. I just felt a bit weird. Kind of, I've done it around Wollongong, which is... A, Don't you need a permit or some shit? Well, they... Yeah, they kind of want. It's not really busking, though, is it? It's like well, yeah. yeah. In the mall, you kind of yeah. they want you to because they were getting heaps of people do that, and some guys were just standing there like stomping their feet and I don't know rolling <laughs> in dog shit or something. And it's, it's like we got to stop this avant garde shit here yeah. in, in Wollongong. Uh, I've, I've yeah, I've done it kind of okay. You know, I've gotten money and all that. And it's yeah, it's it's really you're open when you're busking. That's what I I, I find. You know, it's mm. you're not on a stage or anything. I should do more of it. Um, yeah, mm. yourself. What's your experience with the busking? Done a little bit here and there. Like some sometimes, um, especially when you're touring, there can be you know a day or half a day somewhere in a city you've never been in before. Yeah, and you got no time to get a license, <clears throat> and you, sometimes you don't speak the language. So, mm. um, I haven't been in trouble, but the potential is there, I suppose. But um, it's fun to do sometimes, and then in other places. Actually, the worst place that I've ever busked was Nashville. <laughs> really? Yeah, terrible. They hate Nash. They hate buskers in Nashville. Like you Just really felt like you were begging. Mm. Yeah, it really felt like begging because I guess it's a music town. But I did it for the experience anyway, just because I was like, I had some time. And I was like, I'm just going to go busking down, yeah. down the street to see what that vibe is because I want to play. Yeah, and it was it was a weird experience. That's what I I'm felt. Glad I did yeah, it as well. I'm glad I did it though. Yeah, because mm. it gives you a, a feeling of like you get a sense of how people react to music sometimes, and the awkwardness is something. Yeah, it's, it's something. Have you um, ever watched like the YouTube videos of guys busking? There's one. There's a guy in um I think it's Mexico, and he he is shredding like playing Iron Maiden songs, but like <laughs> just so fast like yeah. these solos, and he's got like a crowd of people yeah. all just out on the street watching him play. Oh, there's it's amazing, some insane talent. Some people, people can there. pull it off really well, but yeah. then you'll yeah. see someone like uh, the head of the, you know, the London uh, Philharmonic Orchestra doing fucking, I don't know, Paganini mm. on the violin, and no one will fucking stop. I think like, I saw that. You know, video. Have you I seen saw that the, video? Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Crazy. the train station, yeah. and they get the janitor, and he's like sweeping up, but he can really, he's a cons- concerto pianist, <laughs> and then he sits down, and he's just like, bing, bonk, he <laughs> 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 just starts hammering yeah. out all these people. Like, What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, the, you know, the, I think the reason I love music is because it's the one thing. I suppose you know your, your kids do it as well, but that can really just give me shivers. You know, when I see something Feeling. fucking amazing, mm. it can it makes me feel like yeah. I was three or four again when I first heard the Barry White album my dad played or some shit. And I got that feeling the other day. Um, my mate Paul sent me this thing. It might have been my, New Orleans funeral. And it had, and I was that good that I called up a local trombone teacher and I want to learn the fucking trombone now, you know. That doesn't surprise me. Like, it was. <laughs> it's such a cool instrument. And like, and seeing that a big brass band as a funeral and everyone, it was the real deal, man. Like, the hairs just went on back of my neck and this thing went on for six minutes, this repeating beautiful little melody and it just built and built and then there was a call and response and there was like three grandmas playing the drums and clapping their hands and everyone was just screaming it was fucking unbelievable yeah. we'll, we'll put a link to it man yeah right and um is that uh, what got you into music your f- 
Uh, but, I think it's the old man's record collection. Yeah, okay. It's always been in the house, man. You know, so he was always playing Pink Floyd mm. and uh, has never been without it. And it got, to, I just constantly had music in my head. Yeah. Like, I, like that song, um, I just spoke about the trombone song. It's been going in my head for three days. I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and a fucking thing's repeating Holy in my shit. head. It's kind of insane. You, yeah, you that get might the might be insanity. Thing, like, Some things. Yeah, like, uh, and they, it's rare though. Yeah, it's there's music, always a, music's one of those things though. That, like I don't think it matters who you are. You hear certain stuff and it's like it touches you. Fucking, it's in our DNA. Yeah, like yeah. Just, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's totally in our yeah. DNA. Yeah. That's the reason I think that the humanity part of the reason humanity survived is because a lot of the history was passed down through music yeah. and and that sort of creative thing. That's mm. the way that we were able to pass on history for so many years before we yeah. started writing things down <clears throat> um, but that's the other thing I, I do a lot of um, songwriting workshops for total beginners and people that you know um, that have never written anything or never you know never thought that their thoughts could be something and the thing that I love the most and I, I got into that because while I was in Nashville I was working for the um, uh, Nashville um, Hall of Fame the Country Music Hall of Fame over there. Oh, yeah. And they've got this program that goes into schools and the lower socioeconomic areas and you basically um, take the kids' writing and, and turn it into music in front of oh, them. Oh, awesome. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, it's just such an amazing, magical thing to take this little kid who has got nothing and maybe didn't get breakfast that morning, you know, and, in, and he's in a really shit situation. Something they created, yeah. show it back to them, show them how amazing it can be. And it changes the way that they sit. Mm, you know, yeah. they're, they're like, you know. They sit up a bit more. They, yeah. mm. You can see that the potential for what they can achieve in life oh, yeah, changes in that moment. And yeah. it's amazing. And you can do that for uh, a lot of people. And, and um, one of the things that I love about that kind of thing is every single word that you utter can be a song. Yeah. Like literally everything. We're all capable of it. It's just yep. no one does it because mm. um, it takes a little bit of time and you got to, you know. And yeah, we've got these stupid lot, jobs that we've got to do. I was yeah. playing guitar. I started writing songs. I remember it was, it was I remember the day. It actually happened on day. I've been playing guitar since I was 13. Arla, my class was born, so he's, what, almost 20 now, so I'm 45. So I would have been 25, 26 when it happened. Wow. I, I flew back to New Zealand. So uh, my... Um, the kids, uh, my ex-wife, she's from Thrill. That's why I ended up in Wollongong. And then I thought, and before Wollongong, I was living in Queenstown, snowboarding and all this. And I thought, well, Wollongong's great, but maybe the kids should grow up in Queenstown. So I flew back over there and have been taken over by billionaires. Yeah. Like, literally, man. Yeah, it's yeah. real Bill Gates and they have their places and that. You know? <laughs> they fuck the world, then they go live in the south of New Zealand. <laughs> and, um, and then I thought, it was quite a funny, there's a few funny stories that happened down there. But um, on this one night, it's my last night in Queenstown before I decided to fly back to Thrill and just make a go here in Wollongong. And um, I went and saw my mate who played at our wedding, Paul Yubana Jones. He was my mate then. He was just uh, a guitarist, a Nigerian Yorkshire guitarist, and like massive Afro. Um, but he's classically trained, like he's a bluesman. But he was trained by Julian Bream, you know, the greatest classical guitar player of all time. So he's got this blues, then he's got this whole other thing going on. Like it's blues, but with this finesse that you've just never seen. Mm. And this gig changed my life. Like literally, if I hadn't gone to that gig, I would never have written a song. This wouldn't be here. Wow. Because I would never have met my wife because she's a singer and that's how it did. And I never thought I could write a song. I was just a guy that noodled on a guitar. Right. And then after that show, it was such a fucking good show. The next day I wrote my first song and I just, it was an epiphany. It was like, 
this is it. I've yeah. found what I'm going to do in my life. I thought I never thought I could be the guy to do this, but after that show last night, this is what I am. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and it, and it, and yeah. yeah, it was. It was. I'm really <laughs> lucky to have an epiphany because yeah. most yeah. people don't get one. Yeah. But if Paul hadn't done that for me, and then later on in life he became a friend of mine, and we've played yeah. together and stuff. So is he here? He's in Christchurch. He's, oh, right, right. Yeah, Paul Yubana Jones. I'll send you a link. We'll put some yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Put a photo up in that. Yeah, yeah man. He rocked our wedding. Him. He came over for the wedding yeah. and all that. And his, yeah, it was great. Once he gets going, does his blue shit. And then he does these Indian ragas over the top of them with all these no like oud tumings and things like that. And it, once he gets going, he's a big boy. Yeah. His afro is going. It's like Reggie Watts on speed, man. <laughs> Just smoking. He's a know. showman, eh? Oh, he's great, man. And, yeah. and also the singer-songwriting... And well, he's English, so he comes from an f- English folk tradition, like Bert Yench and all that. So he grew up. Oh. He saw Jimi Hendrix's second show in London, oh, and that's when he was fourteen years old. Fuck. So, oh yeah, he he was wow. there what at the story. time, man. Holy yeah. Story. So, um, so the the banter in between the songs, which is what I love. You know, I want to hear what the song was about, where mm. it came from. You know, it becomes if you like if you're doing a good show, it becomes a no matter how big the space becomes quite intimate. You know, mm. like it's if you do if you're going well, yeah, and if you're not yeah. going well, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking huge. So um, yeah, so that was I don't know that's, how we got onto that. That's a pretty that's good segue, though. That's great, I love yeah. it. Yeah. So um, what what got you inspired? Like, what inspires you to write the songs that you do? Uh, my, I really just I love to sing, and so. Um, early on, uh, I grew up in a town called Gunnedah, which is northwest New South Wales, and there wasn't much to do out there. <clears throat> there was a bit of sport, um, and, you know, I played a bit of cricket and stuff when I was a kid, but really what I loved to do was just get an instrument and go out into the... We had this little wool shed that we kind of fixed up and put an amp in and, and a drum, set of drums yep. and um, just get out there and make some noise and make things up. Yeah. Just make things up. Who were and you listening to at this time? Do you remember? Just or? what was on the radio. I didn't really have a good um, music education. You know, I, I was just really open to whatever was, was mm. out there. It was sort of embarrassing what the first cassette that I bought. Was what was it? What was it? <laughs> <laughs> we have to. Little Tell Owls as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Manic Monday? Was that then? Uh, that was the one, yeah. Hey, man, Prince wrote that yeah, song. It's not a bad song. Uh, did he? With that. that was, it was yeah. pretty, pretty cool. I still love that music. I yeah. still love that Well, record. it's perfect pop, especially that Manic Monday song. Yeah, and when you listen to it, you can hear Prince. It's pop. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, that's actually probably why I, I didn't go to Tamworth from Gunnedah, because they're very close. And I really had nothing to do with the country music at all. Because um, I was very much pop and sort of mostly pop rock orientated, yeah. Um, and then uh, from there, I moved to Sydney and and went through a bunch of um, programs at the school, the public schools had a thing called the TDP, which is the Talent Development Project. Oh yeah, yeah. School. And I was a part of that, but I never really felt a part of it. It was a weird kind of vibe where it was mostly club performers um, at the mm-hmm. time. It's much more songwriting orientated now for the students. Yep. But um, for me, I didn't really fit, and there was opportunity there for me because I was a, I'm a vocalist for me to go to music music theatre, and I did do a couple of theatre shows in Tamworth, um, and enjoyed the process, but I didn't really want to go into that professionally because I wanted to sing my own songs. Yeah, I wanted to absolutely. make stuff. Yeah, yeah. that was you know about me, which is kind of a bit selfish, I guess. But but that's what the artist has to be. I yeah. just don't, I don't think you have a choice, right? Because if you don't make it. 
you can easily not make it doing something you don't want to do. So you yeah. might as well not make it fucking doing something you yeah. do want to do. Yeah, because you know? at least for that period of time, you're doing what you want to do, right? Well, it's right. All, I think at the end of it's all about it's the work. Yeah. If your work mm. is like that's what I'm at. I don't get, yeah. really give a shit about getting famous or anything. I just want the work to be really quality. The yeah. songwriting, you know, when you get into it, it's it's such a cool thing, you know. It's mm. like a jigsaw puzzle, yeah. and then when it fits, mm-hmm. you're just stoked. You and know? then there's nothing yeah. more intense for a songwriter than when somebody, anyone that gets that material and, and makes it a part of their life. You oh, know? yeah. That yeah. song becomes a part of their story or they use it in some way to emote. Like, holy crap, that's Cra- yeah. so powerful and, and it's an amazing thing. How do you know when you're done, like with the song? Cause Never done. Yeah. Never done. The song continues to grow as you change yeah. and the more you play it, it changes continuously. I mean, yeah. it stays the same on the record, yeah. obviously. But how do you, even to get to... To get it to the record stage, like, do you know when it's done, when it's on the record, or are you still trying to go, oh, maybe I should change well, that can, chord there? Or? Well, you know, at some point you feel like it communicates the emotion you want to mm. say. You, either the at story time, or the emotion yeah. you want to put across at the time, you're like, is it saying everything I want to say? Is there anything in between the performance and the, the song that's stopping that emotion getting through? Yeah. And if, if the answer is no, then you kind of got it. Yeah. And if you can play it for a stranger and, and they're like, oh, I got that song, you know, they get all the right emotional vibes. Yeah. yeah. They don't have to know what the specifics are, you know, but if yeah. they get the right emotional vibes, then, then you've written a song that communicates something. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I think you, you've done at least to record it. Um, but I think as a performer, the more you play your own songs, they change over time because we're growing. Everything's changing. Yeah. We're moving through the, the universe, and everything's great. moving. Yeah. Like, mm. And yeah. I think as a as a punter watching a gig, I don't. I'm not interested in hearing the CD. Mm. I, I want my show. You know, I want Radiohead or whoever to play a, this one particular show where I happen to be is the show that only us here get to see. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's yeah. yeah. I, I'm, that's I'm what the I opposite. Go to I, I like it to be like the uh, the Do record. You? Yeah, because yeah. I don't know. It's just. Well, but I'm talking about do, yeah. There is an interesting thing about that, and I'm not sure whether it's cult, a, a culturally Australian thing, because I mean that's there is a, a covers culture here that exists that's yeah. pretty strong, um, and hearing records the way that they you know were supposed yeah. to be and they were originally performed, I think is is something that sort of lies here, sort of an understanding. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it was like if they could play it exactly like the album, like the the, the tone and everything sounds like it did on the album, then I was happy. Like but, but Sepultura then, did it in Barcelona, and I was yeah. so happy that they played it exactly like the record. Well, I think, well, but then you, there's a problem that you end up becoming like the Eagles, mm. and then you play Hotel California, you can't change a note on that solo. Mm. Fucking Joe Walsh must be pulling his hair out. <laughs> yeah. like, well, does you, know, he even... you become a karaoke band of your yeah. own shit, and and <laughs> but then but then you write other songs because you've no got that one done. No one cares about the other. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's yeah. true. Did you see the the live thing that they did, and did you see that the 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 recent one? Oh, I, I think it was the one where they had to like they literally stopped and they they had. That audience stay back like it took four or five hours or something no. because they kept playing the songs over and over again until they got it right. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> yeah. Oh no, because that, the the live recording had to be perfect. Yeah, had to be. Uh, exactly. But that's not a live recording. That's true. I, I listen to Led Zeppelin and Jimmy Page, like 1973 songs, saying that's what got me into guitar playing. Mm. I wanted to be Jimmy Page. And you listen, it's messy as fuck, but it's the most rock and roll thing you're ever going to hear, man. He is yeah. going but for it. But all the emotion is there. Yeah, it is. It's but all there. Yeah. You can't play a wrong note because it's but his fucking song. You can't have a classical <laughs> song like that. It wouldn't work. 
It has to be perfect. Yeah, well, that's well, that classical. It's a different, different beast, genre, though, isn't it? It's yeah, different... they're, but they're all different genres, aren't they? Like, that's, yeah, that's interpretation. That is true too. And classical, even, if you listen to, I'm, I'm doing a Bach piece, mm. and um, and so I'm jumping on YouTube, and between like say John Williams and Anna Vikotic, who's like the best guitar player in the world at the moment, classical. They're, they're miles apart. They're playing the same music, but yeah. even within got these their notes, own. there's you hold back just a yeah. millisecond. It gives a different interpretation. Plus, their fingers are shaped differently. Yeah. Their nails grow. It's amazing differently. how different they are playing exactly the yeah. same song. You know, yeah. so there's always a nuance you can get out somewhere. I remember Dimebag Daryl saying, like, you could have all the same tones as me, but you won't play yeah. the same. Who was saying? Doesn't I was watching those uh, guitar rig rundowns, and they did Brian mm. May, who's got probably one of the most iconic sounds. Yeah. And um, I might have been, and the guy picked up, played his guitar, and just sounded like, didn't sound anything like Brian May. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, music's just such a wonderful thing. Yeah. Man. When you get into it, it's so deep. You know, like Adam and I both started. So I started playing guitar at thirteen. I did one year of classical, and then just taught myself. You know, because a guy left, mm. and um, loved it all the way through. And it was only recently I thought, man, I've, I've just plateaued for like the last ten years. Yeah. You know, I've been learning to new liquor or anything. So I'm like, why don't I get lessons? And it was a brainstorm. Like, I pretty much gave up. Yeah, and like, like I hadn't picked up the guitar yeah. for like five years. Yeah. And then, and then um, I thought, oh, maybe I should start doing then, lessons. Uh, <laughs> I've got to do something with it. Yeah, yeah, and so then we got Dave the Irishman, and he's such a great guitar teacher, man, like a music teacher. And he's just, and now my knowledge has just exploded. You yeah, know? And I, and it's awesome. That's really good, man. Like you should always, like you know, you know how to box, but you still need a teacher or a coach, yeah, don't yeah. you? You know, I think and, it's uh, that um, yeah. that thing that was missing for a long time for me, like someone to kind of guide me the right yeah. way to see things that you're not you, you can't see what yeah, you're different right. eyes you know, you know what i think you're inspiring me here because i've never had a guitar lesson oh man david <laughs> on to dave mate <laughs> he just oh, and what for songwriters so he's now opening up these whole modes and what I normally do, I can hear a chord. I've got this cool progression, and I hear a chord. I've got to go through every chord in the fucking yeah. world. And by then, yeah. my ears gotten a bit loose. And, yeah, yeah. and where you're coming from. Yeah, and so now with these tools, he's giving me these shapes. I can see on the fretboard now. I, I know where to go. Like I know these these are the possibilities, hmm. and it just it yeah. opens everything up. And now with the lead work, I'm I want to get like you're doing lead, but you know I saw. Arguably the best electric guitarist on the, in Australia on the weekend. Um, was, he's a, the best, in my personal humble opinion, the best electric guitarist in Australia is a truck driver from Helensburg. <laughs> yeah, so his name's Ray Beadle, and anyone watching this that's seen Ray will just know he is fucking phenomenal. I've seen him like probably four times now, and the first time I saw him, I thought this is the best guitar player in Australia. And every time I see him past then, he puts all these new chops on. Sweet. And so I thought he was definitely the best blues guitarist in Australia. And then now he's probably the best jazz guitarist and blues guitarist. Wow. Like, so he's it, getting better. Yeah, and he's he got like three trying. or four kids. He drives a full-time job as oh, a truck God. car. I don't know where he gets... you got to see him. I'll, I'll Who's hold. driving that truck? <laughs> he's I in the passenger. He <laughs> I don't know if I should give him that away. It was supposed to be on, yeah. on the hush thrust in the crowd. But he gets pulled over. He said it was lucky for him last year because of COVID, you know, so he was yeah. one of the few guys that wasn't out. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, just... Just all like you know when you know that someone is so across like Tommy Emmanuel, they can play whatever they want. They're not guessing. Oh, is this the right note? Or, no, it's all. They know free, the neck, man. the fretboard, like the back yeah, of the hand. It's such hmm. a, a beautiful. Do you thing do to that? Write. Do you the pick? Of, yeah. If you write a song, do you ever like pick what key it's going to be in or anything like that, or do you know the song in your head? Via um, the chords? Or? No, it depends on where it comes from. If it, if I'm writing just from a page of lyrics, I'll just randomly put the. 
a capo on somewhere and then play some chords and see yeah. if I can get a vibe that matches yeah. the theme. Yeah. Um, or if it comes from a riff in my head, then I'll look for whatever key that I've, that's in my head. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. Because I used to like go, okay, we haven't got a song in A major, so <laughs> let's write one in A major. There's no wrong, there's there no is wrong a, way of doing no. it. Do you, do you write to a song like every time? Like, do you have the song, the idea of it? Or do you just sometimes just start writing and it's then different try every and time. put, it, put yeah. it to some music? Yeah, it's it it can be different every like time. Like start with the lyrics and yeah. then... Yeah, it can start from a conversation. It can start from a vibe in the room. Yeah. Start from a little bug that's flying around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you can, a line you can take a rhythm. <laughs> you can take a rhythm. In fact, writing for film and TV um, opened up a new way of writing for me as well because um, there was a couple of movies that I was writing for um, with a friend of mine who does this for a living in LA. Yeah. And he's like, come on in and write yeah, on yeah. these scenes with me. And I'm like, oh, man, how, fun how do you do be? that? Yeah. Right? But Ooh. basically you get the the... Um, edit without any music. Yep. You get all of the vocal, like all the speech and whatnot, and all the foley is all in there. Yeah, okay. And so yeah. then you get the scene, and then your music has to fit in, fit the character mm. and, and what the producer wants, and what the director wants for that character and the emotion of the scene. So you got all your instrument choices yeah. are all about that. Do they give you a script like of what they think the characters should be like? They give you notes of what, yeah, what yeah. and they also give you a a, um, a track that they've had as a holding track in uh, there. Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Mm, can be either sometimes. That's interesting. Though. It's probably not good to hear that. Just get the instructions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go in and you time it to the changing of the scene and so there are p- certain points that emotional things happen, like, you know, the guy will turn and look or something will happen. And in fact, um, oh, man, I, uh, if I could remember the, the name of the um, the movie, it was, I think it was called Bad Karma. Um, and there was a, a fairly famous actor in it. It's a, it's a B-rated movie. It's it's a terrible movie, but it's um, it was a lot of fun to write for because I think we, I wrote over the sex scene. Oh, <laughs> bit of wah <laughs> But the way that things moved um, dictated the um, the tempo of the song yeah. because then you just split the whole song over the the frames that you had. Yeah, yeah. that time, gave you the beat. And that gave you the beat yeah. that you had to fit. And then the certain points in the scene gave you the you know the way like the song dramatic. would move. Yeah. yeah, and it's quite a That's different, fantastic. interesting That'd way of awesome. writing. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. It's very different. That'd be yeah. That would be really fun to do. But it it, it basically with. opened up the idea that anything goes. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. anything. Music is not something that yeah. it, that really can be contained in a box or even on a recording or anything. It's yeah, yeah. it's shaking up the the sound waves that are here. Yeah. And and you can if you want to create something that's going to be repeatable, there's no particular way that you need to do it. Yeah. I, the closest I've come to that, uh, I did a couple of, um, you know, real estate, how they started using drones and that, and the music on that shit was terrible. So I went to a couple <laughs> of them and I said, look, I'll just do some acoustic kind of noodly nice shit and all that. And that went all, all right. And so, and then I got this commission from one of them. They said, oh, we, you know, we signed this million dollar property back when a million bucks actually meant something. <laughs> and, um, and, and they said, okay. Uh, and I said, oh, how much, you know, like, um, and all that. And they said, oh, don't worry. It'll be all right. You know, we'll sort it out. And so I did this, Nice guitar, I thought it fit and it went okay. And they said, Oh, just send us the invoice. And so I sent, and so I didn't know how much to charge, you know. So I called up a mate of mine who does this and he said, Oh, normally about 200 bucks for a session or something like that, you know. I'm like, Yeah, okay. So I put in 180 and they just freaked. <laughs> They're like, well, it's too much. 180 bucks. 
Oh, yeah. No, they wanted it for like 20 fucking bucks or something uh, like that. Yeah. A live fucking recording. Go That's my real estate. Go and sucks. buy one off the net. They're not yeah. cheap. No. Fucking hell. 200 bucks sounded cheap. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, that, 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 that sounded time. really cheap. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Not put that in for anything under a grand. No, that's what no. I was thinking. Should I have a thousand bucks? Easy. <laughs> Fucking A. That, well, yeah. Do they know then, who you and are? And then let them complain after, after the Obviously, grand. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. And they go, all right, 800. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, step there. <laughs> let them push it back. But that was my experience. And also, it's a, bit, it's a strange thing. You know, it's a, it's a completely new footing. It's really great. How I write songs is, I, is always on a guitar first. So it always, you hit a chord shape that's interesting. And then hopefully... You repeat that enough that people that are looking at you, if they had been in a room, think you're insane because you've done this like a thousand fucking mm. times. And then a lyric might Hook jump em. in my head, yeah. you know. And then if the lyric comes, then I'm all right. That's, for me, it's always lyrics is the hardest thing. That's why I've got a notebook. And mm. if we have an interesting conversation, it might be a turn of phrase. I steal that turn of phrase anywhere, mm. man. You know. Yeah. yeah, the best lyrics I ever got were from our drummer, who wrote this poem about his brother that passed away. Oh yeah, and yeah, it so just yeah. fit this. Song. I was like, it was the song wasn't good enough for the the words that he put down because it was you could tell it was from somewhere mm-hmm. deep. Yeah, yeah. 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 Never mm. forget that. Never re- wrote a song in his life. Couldn't write anything to save his life, but mm. wrote this fucking poem. It was great. Mm. True expression yeah. of emotion. That's yeah. like, correct. This thing called language, which music yeah. maybe predates language. Yeah. We don't know where language really came from, but I think the way if you see. People with Parkinson's and that can't move, but if they put on a tango, they can fucking dance. Yeah, you know, right. so there's it probably predates music. Might have come first. You know, I think mushrooms came. Well, maybe the, maybe music was before <laughs> the mushrooms. You know, food of the gods. Well, if you it's think about book. it, just from a point of view of learning what sounds mean, mm. you know, from a, from watching a baby mm. grow up, from yeah, a start yeah. like mm. literally they can't do anything at the beginning and their brains are being wired yeah. as they're laying there and listening to these sounds and gradually the brain makes sense of the sounds that are happening. Yeah, yeah. And then attach the emotional element to it, like when they find out what mum means. Oh, yeah. Mm. And so that emotion, so I'm always fascinated at how language works um, and how musical it already is. Yeah, absolutely. Because every word is not a is not something that we have to think about. Once you've learned a language, you don't have to think about those words as being a word anymore. It's an emotional trigger. Mm, yeah, it's an emotional trigger basically. Yeah. Mm. As we speak to each other, we're sending emotional triggers. Yeah. Into each other's heads. Yeah. Through and the our vibrations. Yeah. That's right. And the body is creating chemical reactions in our brains. To make us feel what the other person is saying. Yeah. That's it's right. fucking insane, Isn't man. That insane? That's what. Is there anything in physics that Far can out. comprehend it? I don't think there is. You know, it's like amazing. this whole mechanical world view is just fucking wrong. Yeah. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know, cheapened that. We've got what is it? Twenty six letters, and we can convey an infinite amount of information. Mm. And in twenty, yeah. like tonight, there was conversations had that have never been happened before in the history of the world. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Every time That's we do right. this, so what about on infinite universes? That's loaded. That's you don't believe in fucking bombs, man. It comes from people that just have really bad information. Well, bad ideas. (laughs) We'll we'll get into electrical later. Bad conversations. uh, (laughs) I love how we can hook him with anything. (laughs) (laughs) But with the babies, like they actually, you know, because Vinny's just starting to talk now, and. yeah, you know, I've read a lot of Chomsky about, you know, he did all his language research on, on babies, you know, right. and they, they have, they don't learn a language he was saying. Yeah, you know, that's his great thing. It's like you don't grow an arm, your arm appears. Like, yeah, you don't think about it. There's these, he, he actually mathematically worked it out. 
they can learn like three or four words a day, like on one hearing. Wow. At, at this, that's why two-year-old Swiss kids can speak five languages. Yeah. Isn't it up you to know? a certain age too, and then they lose yeah, that there's ability? A, there's normal it plasticity, yeah. but there's not enough input for the baby to learn that. Like mm. Arlo or Vinny, already he's only two. Like by two-year-old, they already know the grammar. Well, they two- can't vocalize it, but the gra- yeah. our grammar. When you actually look at the mathematics of how a grammar works in a sentence, they're fucked. Like the, mm. it's not. It, it goes pretty deep, but there's way too much information that can be conveyed to a, a new computer, like a little baby. Do you mean in years. English or in language? In, in, all languages are the same. Yeah. Like that's another thing you discovered, that there's an innate, uh, even sign language, man, it's all uh, it's all exactly the same, mm. uh, the principles of it. Yeah, well, Spanish is weird because you you kind of put some words at the end that it, where as in English we'd put them kind of at the I beginning. Think, I think most, most lang- English is a weird one. I think most That's languages... That's the hardest, they say, isn't it? Yeah. Um, one of the hardest to learn, English. Yeah. Well, well, I found it pretty easy. I don't, yeah, it's I fucking don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember the clubs. study that I was li- listening to. I was listening to a podcast about some sort of study about um, language in babies that they were um, studying um, before they were born. And the, the fact that the baby would come at out and before they could understand any language they already un- they already could recognize the meter yeah so the yeah mm, absolutely yeah. all the the ups and downs of the sounds yeah yeah and that um depending on what language and what country and and stuff th- those babies could at least understand the way that the yeah. sounds worked yeah before they turned into that's Words right. Yeah, before it was obvious, like bottle and things like. Yeah. Mm. So the rhythm comes. I noticed that when Reiki was was learning his language, that he had the flow of a sentence without knowing any words. Yeah. They the went up and down, and even mm-hmm. the question was right. It went mm. up at the end, like normal yeah. Australian talk. Yeah. And um, but so the rhythm came first, and then the, the words came later. Yeah. It's the flow that comes first. Yeah. You know? He struggled for a long time, and then all of a sudden he was that just. Bottle, yeah, just yeah. This is yeah. my mate Colin, his friend. Um, she didn't talk to her. She was four or something. Really late. They thought, oh, no, this kid's a, a late talker and all that. Yeah. And the first thing she said was, can you pass the tomato sauce, please? Because <laughs> no one was listening to her. You know, she was tapping and all that. Like, she could fucking full-on speak. Wow. <laughs> she just didn't uh, talk for just four Just didn't years. want to. Yeah. Didn't need to or, or something like that, you know. So, wow. Speaking of um, bottle, have we got any more? Uh, baby bottles. No, there's plenty. Burly, oh, burly, burly, burly big heads. Big heads. How long have we been here? Yeah, okay. Yeah, big, one more for me. Big untaste, not on the belly. That's I what like that got. one. Yes. Hey. Send, send us in a case for after, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a few of these on uh, April the 26th, is it? Yeah, that'll be the Wednesday show. Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be good, man. Blood in the streets that night. <laughs> Rampage <laughs> in Canberra. Yeah. Are these full street? Uh, I think they're four. 4.2. So two in the first hour and one. 1.1 standard street. Would you like another one? Okay. Oh, that's great taste. That great taste. This is going great, man. It's really interesting. <laughs> it is. I love it. Yeah, yeah. What else we got? What else is going on in life? What have we got here? Should we sell the studio? No. no, we just got in here. Lovely. Yeah, fair enough. Two mil. Oh, two two you mil. The build is a pretty good one. Next. Yeah, no, it'd have to be a pretty <laughs> awesome one, wouldn't it? <laughs> like an old brain stuff. I don't want to. No, I was just like, thinking, you know, it'd be nice to, for the wife not to have to worry about working so much. You know. Yeah, I think she loves it though. 
when she's home, she has a couple of days off. She's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Love you, baby, but she just can't stop. Yeah. And I might sit down and have a coffee and just relax and, you know, listen to fucking YouTube or something just for 20 minutes and that. And she just cannot do it. Yeah. Man. And you feel bad because. And she's up vacuuming. Don't worry about yeah. me. I'm going yeah. to run. Like, Jesus, go to yeah. work for yeah. Christ's sake. Yeah. You haven't got the rhythm of this daddy daycare thing sorted out. <laughs> this is not the time for vacuuming. This is our yeah. coffee and YouTube yeah. time. That's right. Yeah. And the kids, they fall over. Oh, you can tell. Is it a proper fall? That's no, right, that's yeah. a bullshit fall. Yeah. And then she's straight out there. And then Vinny loves uh, That's what mums are supposed to do, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. why I think maybe daddy daycare is probably the way to do it because dads are a little bit more, more yeah, aloof, you know. Oh, like, yeah, he's going to learn from that one. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's when they go really quiet and you think, oh, that was a bit loud, you know. You, you can yeah. tell a couple of times I've run. Except for Arlo. Yeah. No, what? You know, when he screams, <laughs> he screams over like, anything. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like he's missing an arm. <laughs> and this weird thing is, then he just got his tonsils and adenoids out a couple of weeks ago, and I thought this kid is going to lose his shit because <laughs> if he stubs his toe, it's the fucking end of the world. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a breeze. He didn't even fucking worry about it because it actually really hurt. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. But I, I, not to pay my kids out, but I was exactly the same when I was a kid. Mum was really, yeah. I just pretend to be sick and mum would give me cuddle. Oh. I remember it, man, you know, so I can hardly complain. Mm. It was me. He wants some cuddles, eh? Yeah, who doesn't like a good cuddle? Yeah. So what did you like, um, you know, going on the road for long periods of time, did you enjoy that or, mm. yeah? There's a thing about it um, that, I didn't know, and I guess you don't know until you get into that mode, and it'd be like anything that you're travelling through lots of space all the time. <clears throat> but you get, there's a momentum behind that, and with with Tommy's tours, um, they move super fast. So you so one after the other One shows. after the other, yeah. night after night after night in different um, cities. Yeah. And... Travelling on a tour bus is a lot of fun because you don't have to pack any gear up. <laughs> you, know, you go in and all of your focus is on the performance. Yeah. And so there was that was, you know, dream life. Yeah. And um I didn't get to tour on the tour bus until maybe five years into the into the stay in Nashville and we did um a tour of Midwest and So with the, with the with the shows with Tommy, were you doing your own show, then coming on and and playing with Tommy, or were you part of Tommy's show? No, well, a little bit of both. Um, he always liked to bring his opening act, because I was the opening act. Okay, yeah. Um, so I'd play my set, um, usually 40 minutes, and then I'd go out and, and talk to everyone in the in the break and okay. sell these plastic things. And, yeah, um, still good, yeah. though. Did, did really yeah. well um, yeah. out of that, and then uh, would then hang out and just wait, because his set list was never the same. Okay. And hang out until I knew that the cue was that a song that he wanted me to get on and play or sing with him or yep. anything like that. Um, and it was always, it was always different. So really the job was to be yourself as the artist out the front and, yeah. and do that thing. And actually one of the key things that I asked him when I first, um, when I first met him was why did you get me on the road? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I'm a singer songwriter. You know, I'm not a guitar player. And he goes, I play guitar pretty well. Yeah, right. <laughs> he said, I've got that covered. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah you know? absolutely. So he thinks about the whole show. It's yeah. a show, um, yeah, from start to finish. That's right. What does he do before a gig? Is he out the he back plays. bench and he plays, yeah. 200 kilos? Or? He, he, he plays and plays. He, he restrings his guitar before a show. Every time? Every time. Wow. Yeah. Right? And then he meet, does meet and greet before a show. And that would take it out of me. 
Oh, absolutely. As a vocalist, yeah. I think it's a thing because you're talking. Talking is the worst thing you can do as a vocalist because yeah. that just kind of buggers it all up. But he just – he what he uh, talked about, and I asked him about that as well um, because I wanted how he wasn't drained by that yeah, interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But he actually gets charged by it. Mm. He uses the meet and greets at the beginning of shows to understand to what, what the room is like. Yeah, yeah. And he gets a, a like a – Takes takes a measure of the emotion that might be there, and what people are going through in the area. So when you're passing through different cities and different idea. places, wow. there are things that are going on in that part of the world that you can pick up on by. The still works closed down or, or yeah. something yeah, like that. Things what a great idea! Does he, does he choose the songs then to suit the gig? He then chooses the yeah. songs as That's they come great, to him. That's so clever. As they come to him, yeah, yeah. and and as they come to him is pretty much dictated by the way that his whole interaction has happened with um yeah. with the audience very very clever but it's it's not a clever thing it's a natural thing yeah yeah it's i think the first time i ever seen tommy emmanuel play was on hey hey it's saturday with fucking nathan cavalieri he's right. playing at, yeah. library, uh, at the heritage I is think. he does he want yeah, to come yeah. on the fucking panda experience i'm sure he'd want to i reckon he would <laughs> he'd be mad not to <laughs> no um, he probably would yeah you know Nathan? That, um, I've done a couple of things with him. Um, when he was the there's a child prodigy, child prodigy type prodigy. thing, mm. wasn't he? Yeah. Um, he was, was only really young when he was on Hey Hey, like mm. maybe eight. I'm really guessing this is a long time ago, but yeah. So when maybe he, older. Oh, when I was in Sydney doing 20. stuff, we'd done a lot of stuff for the rugby league oh, yeah. um, as vocalists and in the part in the halftime sort of stuff. And there was a few gigs where he was he came on and we went into the studio and we did different covers for those things. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so I met him back then, and then um, pre-COVID, I was down in Melbourne, and um, I did a festival um, where he was on as well. Mm. So it was cool. Smoking guitar player? Because I've never actually seen him. It's like, great. His yeah. new songs are amazing. Are they? Oh, I haven't heard. Really great, yeah. really digging in, and his band is fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Kane's playing 1920 Spotify. opening for him, or maybe Kane is. Great. Yeah, Check, well, have to look him up on Spotify. I haven't heard. Well, so Tommy, Tommy's the, cause I, you know, I consider myself an acoustic guitar player rather than any other type. And, um, like, he's just the pinnacle, you know, like, as, yeah. I don't know, like Muhammad Ali or something like that. Yeah. If you're going to boxing, you know, like, it's, yeah, he's, he's like a perfect machine, you know, like, and there's other great boxers in that, without a doubt in that. But, you know, it's like if you're going to pick a female singer, you might pick Aretha Franklin or something like that as, as the level. Yeah. And I think once you find great guitarists, they can all, once they get to a certain, uh, technique, they're all fucking good, you know, mm. and then it's a matter of choice who you prefer or don't. You don't have to prefer any That's of them, right, you know, yeah. you just, mm. they're all great, but he's a, fin- and it seems like a phenomenal, uh, nice guy as well. Every interview I've he seen really seems is. great, you know. Um, yeah, he's, but he's all of that. He's the kind of guy who carries an extra 500 bucks in his wallet so he can give it to the people on the street. Fucking Shit. good on him. He does yeah. that yeah. constantly. That's it's fucking awesome. Amazing, yeah. amazing person. And, um, it was it was just it was wonderful to be able to see show after show after show because then you get to see his operating where he operates. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he's incredible, and he he's a, his game is here <laughs> yeah. all the time. But then within that game, he has this, and so yeah. when you get him on one of those nights where he he's has, just smoking, where he, wow. there's no ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> no one can touch him. And it's like whoa. And then you talk to the sound guy, and you're like, dude. What the hell happened tonight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like 
the roof's off tonight. You know, <laughs> Great. Does he record really every amazing. every show? No, not necessarily. No. Oh, it's a buggy. You want to catch those ones? Yeah, mm. yeah. Where's Where's he live now? Nashville. Nashville. That's why oh, I moved yeah. to Nashville. Oh yeah, the yeah. gig was the the American move was. Um, uh, otherwise, I would have went. I probably would have went to LA or, yeah. or something because that would have been more my my vibe because of the, the first record I released. Yeah. But um, Nashville was the first port of call for us because that's where Tommy lived. Yeah, and lives. How many like for that first? Show, how many shows do you reckon you did? Um, I'd probably be able to tell you if I look back at that, but I think it was about probably about. 30 yeah. 30 because he's packing places out as well I, I jumped online and did you play the Grand Old Opry or anything like that they seem like I really know, nice I never, theaters. I didn't play the Opry yeah the Grand Old Opry is a radio show oh that's it right? okay yeah um, and tra- traditionally it was like a live radio performance yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then you know the, the bands would come on and I think it was one of the first like way back in the day and they still operate it like that and so um, the artists that they get on are uh, like chosen for yeah, okay. their so particular style. Yeah. It's not a concept. Yeah, there at the Grand at the Opry, but um, and I'm I haven't been a country artist, so yeah, I would well, It wasn't my my. Well, that's thing. what I wanted to talk to you about because my mate Matt, he's in Corey Legs band, and um, and Corey's sponsored by Cole Clark and that and that as well. And he's he's a singer songwriter. He's not really country, even though he's from the country. But it seems to be in Australia. Country is almost where it's at. Like, there's a lot mm. of people and a lot of yeah. artists that are they, they're not necessarily writing country songs, but they have a country element, maybe a bit of steel in that, and they can get into Tamworth. Mm. And it seems the country element in Australia is where I don't know where you can make a living or, or something. Almost like I know it a lot of indie, way, indie yeah. songwriters now switching over to do country. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. But well, there's a there's a structure there, and there are gigs yeah, there associated with it, and and it's sort of, I mean the the Australian population is small compared to many other places in the world, and so it can support. It can't support all the different genres. Yeah, it and could, it's so spread it could, out. You know, though. it, it could. could if people yeah. would, if people would really support the music that they loved and went out to to hear musicians. Well, like, I think maybe after COVID, maybe <laughs> after COVID, COVID they will. Like I yeah. am. Yeah. You know, I'm going to every fucking gig there there is. Mm. I don't care. I'm going to go now. You know, I know what it's like not to have the ability to go, yeah. and I'm well, just going to go. Mm. You know? And so every something. every fight that marks in. He's not going to be in too many more. He's going to come out. Then he's going to he's going to uh, he's going to stick here and become our um, Adonis for the Smack Panda <laughs> Smack Panda crew. But it um, is you didn't you didn't miss live music. Fucking age, man. Yeah. I went all yeah. the time. You know, when we had Evie, we probably pulled up a bit. But that's the one thing we missed, and that's we've already talked about. Like. Once they're that, they're that little bit older now, so we, we want to start getting back to gigs because yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's the best thing to go and do. It is. Yeah, go to a bloody restaurant. They're cool, you uh, know, like yeah. as an ex chef and all that. In Rest- and out, a mate. restaurant isn't entertaining. No. It's fucking boring. Dig a station for <laughs> seven hours. I don't think we've ever Give sat. <laughs> we've never sat there for longer than <sighs> thirty or forty minutes. I remember mm. I took um I, I took Haley to She Hard, the the Kiwi rock metal band, you know, and they were. I mean, the first show I saw of theirs was in New Zealand back when they were just hitting, and they they were fucking great. And one show was that I remember one part of it. My head was in the big cone speaker, getting knocked around. It's amazing <laughs> I can hear any fucking thing, you know. And, and that um, was where all the damage. Was. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I th- I, there's a couple of things here. I, I think you know, growing up in New Zealand, I'm an Aussie now, or well, Anzac, and um, but they do support the arts a bit better there. They've got a ten percent. 
New Zealand content on everything, anything on TV or radio. If you ever watch a New Zealand artist, the video will be sponsored by New Zealand on air. Like the government, you have to protect your culture. You don't yeah. have to do it with guns and shit. You have to do it with money into the arts. Yeah. Just on that, was there any COVID relief for musicians? There was fuck all. There was none, was there? Not, not really specifically for musicians. Just an ABM or, or even the venues. Yeah, it was just if you were a contractor and if you had a good year the previous year, you were all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 You know. No, it was pretty. I think they talked a lot of talk with that, but. When it, uh, no, fuck all the money hit the ground. We can ask yeah. Payne about that, you know. So um, there was, uh, you know, different pockets, and I think all of the the usual suspects got, you know, what they what they got. Yeah. But I don't think that um, they really supported the industry that existed. Mm. Um, yeah. So well, hopefully, um, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic that it's going to get reborn, mm. bigger yeah. and, and brighter. Well, man, hopefully. You know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, man. with with all the the laws changing in Sydney for nightlife and stuff, yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Is. Which is actually quite funny because when I when I left, you know, Sydney was great. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And um, when we came back, we're like, what's all these laws and, and stuff? Yeah. We heard all about all that coming in and just killing the nightlife and killing all the live bands yeah. and and all the great spots that used to be there and, and shutting businesses down. You know, like yeah. Okay, a couple of kids got killed, and that was fucking terrible, and it was. But put mm. more police on the fucking streets, yeah. man, you know? like. Yeah. And they were individuals, really. They were yeah. individual yeah, things yeah. that would happen. It's not like a, a no, massive thing. There's a couple of assholes walking around. Stop being fuckwits. It's not that Yeah, that's right. Fucking hell. But they'd, they'd cut the beat-walking cops in King's Cross like yeah. by 30 or 40. You know, this was down 20% to what it used to be. Okay. So, there was a lot of other things they could do, yeah. you know, before killing totally. all these businesses. But yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it was about um, real estate and, and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that was all the big turnover of real estate, and then, then all of a sudden they were like, "What happened to our culture? What happened <laughs> to our city?" Yeah. There, there was this, you know, amazing pumping place that people would come yeah. to and yeah. celebrate. Yeah, mm. but it's going to come back. Yeah, and it's going to start here. Smack Panda Podcast, yeah. oh. right here, right here. This Fuck is where it's at. If tonight's anything to go by, I think yeah. we're going to be all right. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So, what are your what are your f- future plans? Just well, ha- hang in Wollongong and grow the scene. I love this city, man. Wow, what a great place! It's I all right, of, isn't it? Yeah. I kind of found it by accident. Well, not I'd passed through it a bunch of times, yep. but um, had my family moved from the country down way down the south coast, um, sort of husky and oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah beautiful, way. even better spot. <laughs> right. And then um, when um, when we were Basically looking at the map of Australia going, all right. We're going back. <laughs> Where are we going to go? What do you want to do? Like, and, and I was like, well, we're moving back for family, right? Yeah. That's the whole point. We Absolutely. need to be close to cousins and grandparents and stuff. And, but I also don't want to be too far away from an international airport. So Wollongong just looked like the perfect yeah. spot. Yeah, and, yeah. And it just happened to be an incredible spot to live so close to the beach and yep. yeah. not too crazy busy. Um, no. No. Yet. I yeah. guess. I'm well, that's why it's blowing up now because yeah. with COVID, a lot of the Sydney side has come down. Where like, what the yeah. hell are we doing? Yeah. You know, yeah. Look at this place. Yeah. They call this traffic. This ain't traffic. Yeah. You know, and hence the, um, the issues of house prices yeah. maybe at the moment. Yeah. Mm. But it was going to happen, you know. So um, it is a really good spot. And we just got to get the culture happening. A bit. So, you know, I'm yeah. hoping that they're sort of predicting a bit of a, a dip, right? 
Yeah. In house prices? Yeah. yeah well, you are. think it has to. Yeah. Well, where's it going to go? It's like the well, Yeah, because wages market. haven't gone up. You no, know, no, so. it's like it's Fugazi. Where's, yeah. it, where's it? Someone's going to run out of money at some yeah. point. Yeah. Well, the banks yeah, are us. just printing. <laughs> 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 we'll run out of money. <laughs> well, no, it's cool. <laughs> Trying to get a fucking three-bedroom. Yeah, yeah, 18 million for that yeah. three-bedroom <laughs> in Berkeley. Bullshit. Well, yeah. I, I like what your, your, your wife said, and she goes, it's not... She said it's not house prices going up, it's your money becoming deflated. Yeah. I that's, think that's that where it's true. at. The yeah. money is, ah, hence yeah. the Bitcoin, worth, you know, worthless. like, it's becoming less oh, and Look less at that little segue. Uh, you know, you love that. There's not one episode. We no. haven't segued Bitcoin. No. No. <laughs> He's a Bitcoin enthusiast, this one. Oh, really? Tell me. Yeah. If people would listen to me, I know, like three months ago, they would have bought it at 20 grand, at 70 grand. Now you would have made 50 grand, people, uh, to just listen yeah. to me. You know, and it's, it's not about the money. It's about trying to put. It the sounds like it's dollars. about the money. So you're investing in Bitcoin. I don't want to say now because it's worth too much. But back then, <laughs> let's just I say might it's have been into coins. it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, as I'm, I got into it maybe three years ago, and I thought, oh, this might be it. It wasn't actually. It was never about making money. I actually started reading up about uh, educating myself about what money was. Mm, uh, Shitoshi. No, but yeah, but even before him, I, I just realised this. I was taught a lie growing up, and we mm. all were. I was taught at school in, in New Zealand. We got a little post book, and we saved our dollars. And they said, for every one dollar you get, you can take that to a bank, and they'll give you a tiny bit of gold. Mm. And that's called the gold standard. And so your money's worth something. That gold standard Not anymore. hadn't existed since 1972. Mm. I was born in 75. They were teaching me a lie. Yeah. Oh, wow. There hasn't been a gold standard since 1972. <laughs> Nixon took it off because the American went bust over the Vietnam mm. War. They couldn't afford to pay for the yeah. bill, as the Romans did and all that. So that's... And basically, they've been printing their way out of trouble ever since. And that's why house mm. prices are... Our, our money's actually deflating, not the house prices going up. Mm. Yeah, because if you pump all this stimulus crap into money. a yeah, it's yeah. crap money, and <laughs> and what actually happens? The stimulus money doesn't go to people on the bottom who might spend it. It actually goes to banks who buy back their shares, and it's about propping the share market up. So the shares, the world economy is at an all time low. Everyone knows it. The, there's been less and less. Economics is about movement of stuff to people and that. Less and less going on. There's less mm. businesses starting and all that. There's, there's, oh, there's monopolies everywhere. Plenty of empty warehouses Fucking A there are. And yet the share market's as high as it's ever been. Now the share market should be a kind of standard on how the world economy's going, but it's completely detached from fucking reality yeah. mm. because they get all their money printed from the US Federal Reserve. Yeah. And Australia does it, New Zealand does it. It's called quantitative easing, which is what the Germans call money printing, you know. Mm. And so, that I started when I understood or started to understand. It took me years to figure out. I just couldn't believe that when I got a mortgage, the money never existed. Yeah, like I thought they went to international markets to get the money, and that's what they yeah. said. They fucking don't. The money they just put the just money put in my the, account. The numbers in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. when They're I pay it back, digits. those those money it gets disappeared off those negative digits. But then they take interest. So what the banks are actually doing is taking money out of society because they invent this free money, but you got to pay it back with fucking interest. Mm-hmm. And with a visa, they invent visa money as well. You pay it back with twenty percent interest. Mm. So there's a major problem with putting money mm. into the system and so that's and then this fucking bitcoin came out and some uber fucking genius saw the problem or geniuses genius or I, she genius genius I? it wouldn't be is would it i don't know it would be genius as a plural like she genies what about genies. A, what about a, what about a I love woman it. the genies did it so anyway these fucking genies <laughs> saw what was going on 
And, <laughs> and rather, they did a, my, my favorite human of all time is a guy called R. Buckminster Fuller, who's an American, uh, architect from, he was born in the 1890s and he died in the 1970s and he's just, was the greatest human ever lived, I think. He, if we, he wrote a book in the 1960s called, um, uh, Operation Manual for Spaceship Earth. He's called the Godfather of Green. He said, look, we've got all these resources going in the wrong places. Everyone on this planet can live fucking like pharaohs without destroying the planet. Mm. If you just follow, he wrote the book on how to run the world. And it's, it's, it's where the Greenpeace and all that might have got their idea from, you know, but he, he wasn't a greenie. He was just an architect and an engineer and knew how to get things happening. And he said, if you want to change a system, you never change it from the inside. It won't work. What you do is you create a new system. Let's say there's two villages and they're always at war and there's a big river and every day they've got a, well, there's a village and they've got to cross over this river and people always die once a week and that. And then there's council meetings. What should we do about this river? You don't fucking go to council meetings. You don't do anything. You just build a fucking bridge. You don't have to talk to one. There's no politics. The bridge gets built. People use the bridge because it's a better system. They they move from one system to another. That's what's happening with Bitcoin. Someone came along, used that idea of creating a new monetary system. Fuck the other system. Mm. You know, we won't bother using it. And they created a new monetary system. And now JP Morgan just came out, the world's biggest bank, and said it looks like Bitcoin's going to become the new uh, international settlements layer for all countries. So 70 grand is is a like two percent of where it's going so it's going to become like because the thing with bitcoin no one owns it so you don't have to trust that the federal reserve won't kick you off like they do iran and they, Venezuela. Can't, yeah, they can't fucking print they, they, they can't do anything they can't stop it so mm. if i'm trading with you and like if you look at nigeria where no one has any bank accounts because they can't get birth certificates people in nigeria are the biggest bitcoin users in the world because you can use a millionth of a bitcoin so they're buying bananas with bitcoin because <laughs> they've all got mobile phones mm. so if you've got a mobile phone you've got a bitcoin bank account so the change is happening like it's it's not you know, and it's still getting portrayed as drug dealers and all this type of shit, like though yeah. they did with the internet. Well, that's the where it was started, wasn't it? The, well, like it grew in popularity because a lot of drug dealers were using it, and that's Silk think. Road. But have you heard the? Yeah, Silk Road. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. new mo- there's a new movie out about Silk Road. Oh, is there? Yeah, it I'm, sounds fucking really good. Just I don't know what it's guys. out on yet. They were young. There was three of them, wasn't there? A yeah. young guy and his girlfriend and another dude, and they, they just wanted to sell whatever, whatever yeah. you want to sell. Like guns, drugs, man, mostly. Guns are such a good and they were using um, bit, Bitcoin was how they were yeah. exchanging But Bitcoin's goods. not really the best thing for illegal things. The US dollar is untraceable. Mm. Or is, um, and that's where all the real drug deals get mm. done. But yeah, because... But if, now he's got life, that guy, doesn't he? For fucking... Yeah. For having a... Like this black market operation thing. And so you could safely buy drugs without going to the mafia. Mm. You can't do that. And <laughs> you know, like, they well, had a... Listen, um, but isn't Bitcoin like Bitcoin because it's traceable? It kind of is traceable. You know, you'd need a lot of computing power and all that, but it's all on a distributed ledger, which is shared all around the world. It's the whole point. So we're all sitting here, and I, I give you some money, and we all agree that I gave him some money, and it's all on our ledgers, so that works. And then you give him some money, and that's all so it is. It's like a massive record. It's a massive record transfers. of everything. that. Go- that's why it takes a lot of computing power to that's do that. That's why I always didn't understand how it would operate so it's, happily in the black market. and It's not very good for the black market. Like it's just everything is on the every single transaction that ever happened is on the ledger. Yeah, right. so it's not it's not the best. If you're going to buy a nuclear bomb, don't do it with Bitcoin. Yeah. Do it with you know. cash. 
Do it with the US dollars, man. That's where all the drug dealers yeah. are getting done. So anyway, that's my Bitcoin spill. But that's it's a lot deeper than people think. Mm. And there's a change. It's like we didn't realise in the 90s what the internet was. Yeah. It was a bit of a fad. I remember first yeah. seeing people when I was living in Queenstown. It would have been 97 or something, maybe 96. And these people were on computers. I'm like, what are they doing? Mm. And they were emailing. And I'm what the <laughs> fuck's an email? You know, and it was, what, 20 years ago or something. Mm. And... And we didn't realize at the time, then you had the dot-com crash where what happened with the companies, they put dot-com after their name and their share price went up 200% because <laughs> everything, or dot-com, because no one knew what the internet was, but dot-com is really good. And this is the same thing that's happened with um, uh, cryptocurrencies. We're a yeah. cryptocurrency, we're worth a billion dollars. There's only mm. one cryptocurrency that matters and it's Bitcoin. Um, and Bomb. Yeah. It's true. You know, you don't put money into anything else, man. They're all a, you might make some money out of them, but they're not a safe bet. Neither is Bitcoin, but it's as safe as you're going to get in this market, I think. So, um, yes, there we go. That was a big spiel, wasn't it? That was a good one, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's not just a nerd Have fan. you got a, a ka-ching sound? Yeah, <laughs> ka-ching, ka-ching. We need to add some new sounds, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, there we go. That's so, can, can you buy your album on with Bitcoin? With Bitcoin. Well, shit, I don't know. I'll, I'll take one Bitcoin for it. Yeah. I'll, I'll take one. You. So you just one. Yeah, yeah, four yeah, albums. Bitcoins. <laughs> do you have four albums out now? Or? I do, yeah. They're all on, on all the free streaming things, so you can get them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I don't make any money out of them at all. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, eh, hey, man? That's I think we made, that is shit. I think we made 50 cents. Not even that much. Might be five cents. From your album. Adam bought our album. And he paid it on Amazon. Sixteen ninety nine, I, I think it was. And I got two dollars. And he paid sixteen dollars <laughs> cash. <laughs> you know, and I got two bucks as the fucking artist. Yeah, the that fuck? is bullshit, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. worse than what the record companies used to do. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. man. So yeah. Apple are the new. Oh wow. yeah, the record company. Yeah, they, they fucked up. They didn't see the technology changing. They should have jumped on. Why? Why does a computer company get to control? They control everything now. Yeah, Apple. yeah that's true to control everything. But the labels aren't yeah. silly. Like all the the big ones are now invested. Yeah, and, yeah. and also all of the income is is not you can't see it. It's not transparent. And so yeah, you know a lot of the deals are done um, with um, streaming, and you don't know what this. Yeah. I think yeah. that again the um, the independents have got nothing, and yeah. all, all the major label acts have got all of the. That's right. And in fact, not even the acts. Just the executives, yeah. Because then internally, those deals that they do with the record with their with their artists, mm. like I, yeah. I forget who it was that said it, but it was like every time, every time I um, you know investigate my record label, I find money, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and not little bits of money, like you know money, considerable yeah, money. Yeah. Uh, every time. Where do you do your recordings at? Um, most of my recordings have been done in different project studios. In Nashville, but also here, um, I used um, my first record was made at Love Hurts Studios in Sydney, and since then, just recording in lots of different places in Nashville because every house is a studio over there. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Um, and For all, is it all different sort of genres over there? There are, yeah. There's a whole mixture of genres. I just think country. Like. Well, that's right. That's the brand that Nashville was built up around. Yeah, um, and. You know, and they have all of the awards nights and all that mm. sort of stuff. Yep. And there's definitely that's the heart and soul of country music in in America, and and um, you know that's you know warranted. But um, in Nashville itself, as a music town, there's all sorts of genres. Mm. There's you know bars where you can go and see metal, and and you know there's all sorts of R and B and everything that you can yeah, imagine wow. is all there because it's just a music melting pot. Yeah, wow. 
And, and the crowds correct. come out to see the shows as well. And there are people. There's, people, there's people everywhere. Yeah, that's so good. People Sounds everywhere. like fucking paradise, man. It's oh, incredible. Wow. Got to go. We need that ear. Yeah. Well, yeah, we do. How do we get it, man? How, how do you build up something like that? Like it, it's, it's about building the culture and build, building good soil for these plants to grow in. And how do we get it? Get people off to fucking iPhones or something and, and out to gigs. Well, no, and I, th- I think it's just create create a scene. That's it. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that that scene exists around the the creatives that are in the in the place at the time. And yeah, and there's plenty of creatives here that that can make stuff like that happen. Yeah, um, and I think they've just got to get to know each other. Like yeah, yeah, this, absolutely. This whole the whole point of bringing people out. Um, and I mean the fact that I met you guys, mm, right? Yeah, came out of the the, the whole thing. You had yeah, the, the radio interview, doing, and yeah. then. And then the streaming, the Illawarra songwriters. Absolutely. You know. And I think also not not being exclusively with musicians, any creative. And and mm. honestly, all humans are creative, man. That's what they really are. That's yeah. what keeps us yeah. going. You yeah. know, like you realize as you get older that it's all about creating shit. If yeah. you, know, you need to yeah. do something you can be proud of, you know, then two year olds know it. They show you a picture. Yeah. It's my picture, yeah. you know, and it doesn't yeah. fucking change. That's right. You know, we've got to put something out there. That is exactly right. Man, this has been great. Yeah. yeah. Are you um, going to – do you have plans to gig anytime in the yeah. near future? I've been doing um, I've been doing a couple of things with um, The Vault at uh, Port Kimberley. Oh, yeah. Talking, talking They've got a good that. sound rig there, man. They it's do, smoking. yeah. yeah. Um, and um, they've actually asked me to give them a date to put together a show there um, and it'll be a door deal and all that sort of stuff and I'm not sure whether I really want to do that because I don't know anyone here and nobody yeah. knows me. All of my investment in um, promotion was all done overseas. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, no one knows what I've done in Australia, which is fine because I haven't done any investment here at all. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, putting on a show and having no one show up is probably not the best thing to do. But yeah, um, yeah. but it's a small venue, so it's it's kind of nice to. What about up know. at the server? You know, maybe jump on because they. Well, I haven't met those guys yet. The two ladies, they're absolutely lovely, man. The, oh, the, the sound. The now that I've moved the stage outside, it's. It's great, yeah. And my mates, um, Matt plays with uh, Murray from the Wiggles, and they oh, that's right, the yeah. Soul Movers. They played this, packed it out, had a great show, you know. So, what does he? What does he play? He bass player. Not, does he play the double bass? No, no, just oh, he can play the double bass, uh, but his main uh, P bass normally. And oh, he is smoking. He's a good bass, bass player. player. Mm. Oh my god! Like he takes your song. If you need a bass player, you need Matt Crawford, man. You know, he takes your song and he's got this ear. And then he does things with it that that gravity the yeah. demo, yeah, was yeah, probably the best bass playing I've heard in a long yeah. time. Galaxy, Galaxy, that's yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's smoking, man, and awesome. now and now other people are recognising it, so he's kind of a bit of a wanted man. He might actually make a go of this music. Ooh, good thing. on you, go for <laughs> yeah, it. I think bass players might have it a bit easier because yeah, everyone wants to be a guitarist or a singer. But yeah, but no one likes bass players, do they? <laughs> It's like the sexiest thing you could ever play. Oh, yeah. Holy yeah. smokes. You slow that shit down. Yeah, oh, I don't know. It's funny, as I'm getting it's older, I'm like, like, I was, I put, um, the podcast on, or Haley did in the yeah. car, and my Bluetooth's fucked. And it plays every, sometimes it plays things like 70% slower or something. And it played <laughs> our, our intro slow. It's, it's groovy slow, man. <laughs> you know, like it's, I think I prefer yeah. it. I'm going to slow go, the whole album down. I'm going to do a death metal version of it soon. A slow one. No, it's going to be <laughs> 230 beats per <laughs> <laughs> fucking blast over the top. We'll see how it goes. Anthony, this has been a blast, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for great coming to talk on. To you guys, what what a great hang! Like, yeah. I, I, it's so funny. I just I told my wife I was working tonight. <laughs> you are working. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you got to get out there, man. This has been awesome. Thanks for coming along. You can come along Pleasure. again anytime. Um, do you want to play us a song? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Yeah, Go man. for it. Do you want to jam in on this one? No. <laughs> come on. <laughs> what key is it in? E. E minor or E major? E major. Okay. I'll, wow. join, I'll join you on back in vocals. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then after that, if you want, I'll play your ballad after this one. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. You want to be, you got to be so cold Cause my baby's always cold Right on the right on the way, right on the night and I write the songs, my friends And I love on the yeah I can't let you go Cause you know I like to feel Oh, oh yeah I like to feel Oh, yeah Yeah, you wanna be Gotta be so right Cause my baby's always right around the mall Right on the way, right all the night Yeah, and I write the songs, my friends And I love until the end I can't let you go Cause you know I like you Coming on, Brad. It was awesome. No Thanks, worries. Man. That was sick. Oh. Woo! Oh.